Well, we get it rolling on the Krug Show Saturday morning. The coach will be along. Hope everybody's having a great Saturday. I'm watching the Division II uh, National Championship. Jack Rabbits against Villanova. Villanova just punted, by the way, and hit the hit their punter hit the long snapper in the ass with the punt like four feet away. <laughs> it was classic. And uh, now uh, North Dakota State up three nothing. The Jack Rabbits. And later today we got Army Navy. Today is a great day. Why is today a great day? Well, normally I would not be saying it's a great day because um, I don't love this day. I, I, I don't love the fact that they give Army-Navy all of this day. I get it. You know, my dad was in the Army. Uh, he was a JAG Corps attorney, uh, and I've got great respect for the people who sacrifice for our country. I just would like on a Saturday to have a little bit more college football or give me a little NFL. Give me a little NFL on a Saturday, right? I wouldn't mind seeing that. So, Anyway, we are brought to you by Pig and a Pickle, the best barbecue in all of Northern California. Check them out in Emeryville and Corte Madera. They're open seven days a week from 11 a.m. till 8 p.m. or until they run out. Pig and a Pickle, the best barbecue you're going to find in all of Northern California. I have put the call link in the chat. Michael Monahan is hanging out in the green room eating our food. Um, you know, if I see smoke billowing under the door, Michael, we're, we're calling the cops. Uh, no, I'm just joking, but we, we'll go to Michael here in a minute and we'll get, let him have his say. And if you want to jump in on the call front, we can do that as well. I love my favorite part of having a YouTube channel is the callers and I don't do tons of callers. So that would probably surprise you Wednesday nights though. Kevin, and I do a caller show. But what I was saying is, why is today my, <clears throat> I'm such a good mood today? One, the channel has just taken off. And it's all thanks to all you guys. Um, and thanks to our sponsors, of course. Um, New York Style Italian Sausage has been with me since the start. Marin Auto Glass, the great Saeed. Give them a call, 415-883-3030. Um, and New York Style Italian Sausage, I just mentioned. And, of course, Pig and a Pickle. Um, and we have other sponsors and we have some new sponsors coming aboard. But I just wanted to say that we're sitting here on December 9th, 2023. And I just I started this channel on, I think, like March 15th, something like that of 2022. So we're coming up on th on two years in about three months, almost exactly three months from now. We'll be at two years having this channel. And one, I've had more fun than I've ever had. Um, this is more fun than being on the radio because you get a chance to do it all. I'm the producer. I'm the engineer. I book the guests. I talk about what I want to talk about. Um, I know Bay Area, Bay Area sports, and so I can decide what's important. Um, but I love it also because, um, you know, it's, it's my own endeavor. Uh, my son came aboard. In you know to start helping out about about a year, about a little bit less than a year ago, and the channel has absolutely taken off, and we're now sitting today. There is a chance that today we are going to break thirty thousand subs, and I just wanted to one just give you guys a little clap because um, I you know without you guys I'm sitting here I'm talking to myself. But um, I'm not talking to myself ever. Uh, 
because 29,905 total subscribers as of this minute. So um, I'll say it again, and we say it a lot, but, you know, I always say, hey, hit like and subscribe. If you hit like, that just helps the algorithm, kind of shakes the algorithm, helps people find the show, which is very cool. And, and then if you hit subscribe, excuse me, and hit that notification bell, um, every time we go live, you'll get a little notification on your phone, and it's free to subscribe. And 29,905 sub subs as we start this show. There's a very good chance that today or tomorrow, you know, we've been picking up almost 3,000 subs a month for the last three or four months. And it's getting the the speed of the growth is getting faster and faster and faster and faster. And I just want to say thank you to everybody um, because you guys make the channel. And um, as I said, we're 95 away from 30,000. And if you had told me that we were going to have 30,000 subs, Michael Monahan's twin brother just joined. Oh, no, no, no. Now we, <laughs> I was going to say, now we have two Michael Monahans. Now just one. All right. Michael's moving from uh, phone to phone. We'll get to Michael in just a second because I definitely want to get to the calls uh, before the coach joins us. Coach just sent me a note, you know, saying, hey, I'm running 15, 20 minutes late. I said, no sweat, whatever. Get jump in when you can. Um, but I figured I don't want to make everybody wait too much longer to start the show. But I'm in such a good mood today, partly because we're on the verge of crushing 30,000 subs. And um, I, I had had a goal for the Super Bowl, you know, in February to reach 30,000 subs. Um, and here we are, December 9th, you know, two months before the Super Bowl. And we're going to hit 30,000 subs today or tomorrow. And, um, you know, it's awesome. It's incredible. It makes me kind of reassess the goal. Maybe the goal is 40,000 subs by, by Super Bowl Sunday. Maybe 50,000 subs by Super Bowl Sunday. So I just want to thank a lot of people. I want to thank Grant Cohn. Um, and I know there's all these people, but Grant, I hate Grant. We're freaking hate Grant. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it. There's people that are, Krug, I love you, man. But if you have Grant on one more time, I will never. I hate him. Try to separate the guy you see who's somewhat of a character from the person. Grant Cohn, the person, is a very, very good guy. Grant Cohn and I, football-wise, we don't, we don't, Sometimes we agree. Sometimes we don't. I mean, you know, you guys know. Um, but I love him, man. I love his dad. And I love the fact that, you know, he was killing it in this space. And I was a ex radio guy thinking, do I want to move, pick up and move my family to LA? Do I want to pick up and move my family to New York? Do I want to pick up and move my family to Chicago? Do I want it? And it's like, I got, you know, I got four kids. I got a wife. I got four kids. I'm from here. I'm a Bay Area sports fan. I'm a Giant fan. I'm a Niner fan. I'm a Warrior fan. I'm a Sharks fan. I'm a Bay Area sports fan. I don't want to be, I don't want to live in other parts of the country yet. I, I, I'm nothing against other parts of the country. I probably will move at some point, but I'll move when my kids are done with high school, when I, you know, when I want to do it, when my wife and I want to go live on the beach somewhere. Um, and, I, you know, I went to him and I said, hey, man, I'm hurting. I'm down on myself. The radio station made a bad decision by downsizing me, but I'm not going to cry about it. Um, what do you think? And he's like, dude, take a deep breath. Let's go to lunch. Let's talk. Let's talk about options. Let's talk about your future. Let's talk about what you want. Dude fucking saved me. 
And when I say that, I mean, I, he's not like he's doing the show for me, but he sat down with me, said, hey, look, this is what I'm doing. This is how it's working. This is why I do it. This is how I do it. This is what you need. And we just sat down and we talked man to man. And, uh, you know, out of that conversation was born this channel. And uh, he's helped support me through the whole thing. And I just want to I just want to thank him. Uh, I also want to thank my good friend, Len Dempsey, who is almost a YouTube and a social media expert. And he has helped me immeasurably. Uh, I want to thank my son, Kevin, my son, Christopher, my son, Benjamin, uh, all have had a role in in the growth of this channel. Um, my family, my friends, my radio friends, uh, Matt Nahagian, who has employed me now to work at 95.7 The Game part-time. Uh, I'm doing pregame and postgame, or pregame tomorrow with Loneal from the Santa Clara Hilton. Check us out if you're down at Niners Seahawks tomorrow. Um, and just all the sponsors and all of you guys. So 29,905 subs. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. That's not that's the second reason I'm happy today. The other reason I'm happy today is my daughter is coming home from grad school. My son, Kevin, the producer of the show, is coming home as well uh, from Cal Poly today. And we're going to change the look of the studio. You guys are going to see the studio look quite a bit different behind me. Um, we've got some designs on it. We've already ordered some stuff and lighting and just it's going to be very, very cool. So. I just wanted to say thank you to everybody. I also want to announce to everybody, if you're local, we are doing a watch party. There it is, December 17th, 1 o'clock at Pig and a Pickle in Corte Madera. they got two locations, okay? They, they're in Corte Madera and Emeryville. You guys have heard me say that a million times by now. Um, we'll be in Corte Madera in Marin County. It's a big, cool mall over there, and it'll be December 17th, probably one of the last big shopping days before Christmas. <clears throat> so, we're going to be watching Niners Cardinals. I'll be there. They're open till 8 o'clock. I'll be there like from noon on. We're going to watch the Niner game and Cardinal game there, have some barbecue. Anybody who comes out, uh, my family's going to be there. Damon's going to be there. Uh, Damon, the owner of Pig and a Pickle, is going to be there. Um, I'll probably order a bunch of barbecue for us all to share, but you're also, of course, well welcome to sit down and, and uh, order some of the barbecue yourself. Um, and I just wanted to say, uh, it's like, you know, our watch party, we're going to do, you know, we'll be hanging out from, you know, basically noon to eight, but we'll, you know, real, we're going to do the post game show from there around uh, four o'clock. So just very, very cool stuff. Very, very cool stuff. So join us if you're in the Bay area on December 17th, you know, what I would say is, you know, come have some barbecue. Uh, I'd love to meet every, everybody face to face. And then, you know, you want to go do some Christmas shopping at the Corte Madera mall there. It's a beautiful mall. Uh, it's kind of an outdoor mall. Um, go do some Christmas shopping, or if you want to hang out with us and watch the Niners and Cardinals do their thing, you want to come back and watch the post-game show, we're just going to be hanging out at Corte Madera, Pig and a Pickle, uh, and you can meet the owner of Pig and a Pickle and have some great barbecue, watch some Niners and talk some ball, and I'd love to meet me as many of you as I possibly can. It's not the hugest place, so please don't bring thousands of people, but they do have a patio, outside patio. They got a pretty good bar and inside patio and our inside uh, room and uh, probably is going to be the max of like <clears throat> maybe a hundred or 200 people. We might overwhelm them if we bring more than 200 people. Um, but Hey, I'd love to meet as many of you as possible. And, and, um, and it's a really a cool, it's, it's the first one I've ever done a watch party with the, uh, with the audience. So December 17th, a pig and a pickle, 
from 1 p.m. probably till around six o'clock. We'll we'll do the post game show around 4:30, um, and then we'll get out of there around 6:30 or so and and call it a day. But uh, if you're in the Bay and you want to support the channel and just come say hi, please do do some Christmas shopping, hang out. Uh, the coach is in the green room, so why don't we do this? Why don't we, coach? Let me let me do this. Coach is taking a minute here. Coach, take your time. Let me uh, let me hit a couple of these calls. I did put the calls thing in there. We'll let Mike Monahan jump in first. Let me jump out of this. Larry, Larry, how's it going, man? I'm doing great, man. I got my hat flipped backwards in support of Brock Purdy. How unprofessional of you, Mike! I know. How stupid is that whole take? Oh, right? come uh, on, Colin yeah, Cowherd. Hey, yeah, happy 110th birthday to Colin Cowherd, everybody. Yeah. Let's clap it up for Colin Cowherd. He's 110 today. Yeah, we got the. Uh-oh. Most puritanical quarterback oh, in the league, and we're not talking about whether or not we're talking about whether or not he's a he represents the team well. I mean, how that's just <laughs> the guy's great. The guy's great. I mean, so, he, whether he's a good quarterback or a great quarterback, we'll find out in time. But he's a great person, and he's a great representative for our oh, yeah. franchise, for our for our region, for our city. Absolutely, Mike. Where are yeah, you, by the way? Are you a Bay Area guy? Are you from around no, the country? No, no. Uh, We've chatted a couple of times. I'll repeat myself for some of your common listeners, but I live about 15 houses away from where Brock grew up. So, Oh, I'm wow. In, Ari- in uh, Arizona. In Queen Creek. So Brock, Good for you. Brock's parents used to shut down our Christmas party every year, and um, <laughs> my kids and him went to school together, and we've been camping and all that kind of great stuff. So I've, I've known Brock and watched him play football since he was doing peewee. And uh, – been the same humble kid all the way you know determined competitor but but very humble and just a great kid and comes from a really great family yeah no so, question no uh, question what a great story he's been so far give me your quick thought because we, we want to get the coach in here at some point and i know coach has got a busy day and we don't want to take too much of his time but we thought we'd go to some calls and then i got into a sol- big soliloquy there at the start yeah you know two takes quick last take on big dom you know, that is concerning that some non-player can, like, get a player, a key player ejected from a game and have a potentially massive impact on the outcome. I hope they, they figure that out because... Um, did you see the latest? Yeah, I saw he got he got barred from the sideline for one game, it sounds like. Yeah, for he won't be on the sideline. Now, we'll, we'll get Coach's thoughts because Coach is uh, a great person to talk to about this because he's in security. Um, and, and we kind of talked about it the other night, but we'll we'll kind of... We'll start the stream talking a little bit about Dom. Yeah, he's not going to be on the sidelines for uh, Eagles, Cowboys, and then the league's going to determine, you know, does more is more discipline necessary? I don't want to see the guy lose his gig. I never want to. It's the holidays. I don't want to see the guy lose his gig. But get, guess what? Get off the fucking NFL sidelines. You just don't you know, want this, it to turn into a strategy that teams have, right? Well, God, I mean, that's, I mean, you know, that would be a bad, yeah. No, Absolutely. The other thing is, I, I got uh, something about Seattle, but I learned something today on StreamYard. So, you know, when some callers call in and they got that echo going on, right? If you're calling from a computer, StreamYard will open up a separate tab on your browser, and I'll notice that it'll be playing audio on both tabs, and so that'll make that that uh, echo happened. So I noticed if I went to the original YouTube tab and just muted it, it took it away. So if any other callers run into that and they're on a computer, that could be what's calling it. Cause yeah. as soon as I did that, it took, it took care of it immediately. Uh, as far as Seattle goes, you know, I think, I think uh, we're going to show up this weekend. I'm not worried about it being a trap game. 
you know, I don't know if it'll be as big as the, the spread, you know, represents it to be. Um, but I definitely think, you know, they've got their number and as long as they, uh, you know, they show up, they'll be just fine. They'll handle their business. They got I'm a few players back from Seattle, but I'm not too worried about them. I'm hoping, I'm hoping I, you know, this is the classic tra- uh, trap spot, right? Yeah. Um, but if Seattle does bring out the best in the Niners and hopefully that will be, the Niners will bring it. Uh, Mike, have a good, have a good Saturday, man. But let me jump to the coach here, brother. I never thought I'd say this, but I'll be rooting for the Cowboys uh, tomorrow as well. How about them Cowboys? That's right. <laughs> Take it easy, my friend. See you, Mike. Oh man. We love it. We love it. Thanks for supporting the channel, brother. Appreciate you. It is that time. It is that time. Wait a second. Well, there's somebody, somebody in here on the chat. Where is it? Where's the, here we go. Callie, Callie Young. Where's coach? Where's coach? Where's coach? Wait a second. Fighting, fighting out of, uh, out of the East coast. <laughs> 14 and oh, with 13 knockouts. There he is. The man, the myth, the legend. What's up, Larry? What's good, Larry? How you doing, man? How you doing, man? What's going on, brother? How you been, man? Oh, man, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. I was just telling everybody that I'm feeling so good today. One, because it's a, you know, I'm, I'm, Coach, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I'm one of these guys that, and I cannot help this. Okay. If it's a good weather day, I feel good. If it's a bad weather day, I don't feel as good. If it's dark and gloomy and rainy and ugly and windy and cold, I'm like, I'm dragging myself through the day. It's beautiful in California day to day. I mean, it's cold, but clear. I love that clear December chill, you know, but sunny and and it's going to be a great day. And then we're the channel is sitting here at two twenty nine thousand. 911 subs were poised to crack 30 grand today or tomorrow. And I'm just super fired up about that. And then I'm super fired up because my daughter's coming home from grad school today. She's flying in from Atlanta. My son, Kevin, uh, the, the producer of the Krug show is driving up from Cal Poly. He's done with, uh, with, you know, school for the holidays. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, it's, you know, it'll be a packed house, but you know what? Um, I'm loving it. My other, my second son, Ben, is working at the Christmas tree farm today. He's selling Christmas trees. Um, my 14-year-old's, uh, you know, playing with the dog and and, uh, and playing basketball and that kind of stuff. Wife's shopping. I'm just in a good mood, and we're about to, cr- you know, crest the 30,000 hill. I had made a goal on draft day to try to get to 30,000 by the Super Bowl. And here we are. It's December 9th. We we got two months before the Super Bowl, and we're at 30,000. So I just wanted to thank everybody, and I did. And I want to thank guys like yourself because, you know, this has been one of the best uh, streams we've done. One of the best collabs I've done is hooking up with you. And I really look forward to this. I know the audience does. The, 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 um, the you know, the room always gets packed. You're passionate. You're knowledgeable. You're professional. Um, I feel like our relationship has really grown since the beginning yeah, it has, and, it has. and it's really cool. And I just, I, what I love about this channel is you can, you can, I always felt of myself as a scout, right? Cause I scouted with the Cardinals. I scouted in the Canadian league mm-hmm. and, um, mm-hmm. 
And, you know, it's like, so I'm always thinking of like myself as a scout and I knew you were going to be great. Uh, when I first saw you on with Grant, I'm like, this guy's knowledgeable. He's passionate. He knows his stuff. Um, and he's got the right perspective, but I didn't even know what kind of depth you have and what kind of, you know, cause I hadn't had really one-on-one -on -one conversations. Um, mm -hmm. and it's just been awesome. And then, so it's like, I love being part of your success. I love being part of vicious success. I love being part of Jesse's success and everybody mm -hmm. that I work with. So, and, and as, as people who follow this channel know, I don't, there's a, there's a thousand Niner uh, content creators. Tons of there. us. There's tons but, of us. Yeah. But I, 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 I like to pick and choose the ones that I really think I either jive with or I think are really providing excellent content to the audience. And you're one of them, man. So, you know, you, you've had a big hand in me getting to 30,000 um, two months ahead of time. And I just want to say, man, I appreciate you. Appreciate you a lot. Yeah. I mean, the same thing, man. First of all, thank you. Thank you, Larry. And um, this is a community. I mean, and I feel like it snuck up on everybody. We didn't realize what it was going to be when we first started doing this. But we've grown relationships, man. Um, it, it's just the truth. Um, for the fans watching, we all pretty much try to be on the same playing field. or uh, we, we all try to get along and be professional and do the best that we can do. But there are some special relationships that you have with certain content creators. And this is one of them. I mean, we are cool. We're friends, man. We talk about family. We talk about sports. We talk about ball. Um, we talk about issues that aren't for the platform that everybody doesn't want to hear all the time. And we hash it out. We go there. Me and you, we have conversations about race off the line, behind behind closed doors. We we do it all. Um, yeah. And, and I appreciate that too, because it's like, dude, I mean, I feel like, you know, I can be me around you. You can be yourself around me. We, yeah. you know, we're straight shooters and, uh, yeah. and we have great dialogue and, uh, yeah. it's, and it's, it's awesome, man. I, I, when just, we first met, I really man, appreciate like, it. We were just honest with each other. Like you let yeah, me know totally. I'm a family, man. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. and I'll let you know, like, dude, I, I, I'm just a football coach that got pushed to the side, bro. Like I, I just, I, hear I love ball and I can't get away from it. That's all this is. And well, no, what you really are is a YouTube star that just is getting started. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. I'm telling uh, you, we're thrilled for you because we all know your story. And the fact that you were able to lateral in such a long, illustrious career in radio and still be able to do that in YouTube is awesome. So, like, we're all just happy because really it's you guys. It's the supporters. It's the fans because totally. you guys see the work, right? Larry is busting his ass. Okay. Yeah. These videos coming out on a daily basis. It's not easy. You know, like this is in my nine to five. I got multiple other jobs that I have to do on a daily basis. Like Larry, uh, one of the reasons why he gets the respect is because we see the grind. One of the reasons why Grant gets the respect is because we see the grind. You can talk about the takes. You can talk about the content, but you can't fake the grind. You can't fake that. And that's what we respect about you, Larry. You're more than deserving for your platform being where it is today. And more and more, we're happy for you, bro. We're happy. Richard Thorne jumps in on the uh, on the comments. He says, tell Coach I watched his show last night. It was great. What'd oh, you, my God. What'd, what'd you do last night? Me and Tom Jensen of SI. Okay. A writer for SI, me and him did our first daily installment on Fridays of the Faithful Review. 
So it's a good back and forth show on my on my channel with me and Tom. We had our first show last night. It's going to be at 5.30 Eastern, 2.30 Pacific time every Friday, where we just go over the week and kind of have an introspection on where we are on a Friday and do a little bit of preview before we go, uh, get to the game. And the first episode went great, man. He It was his first time on YouTube. So, um, you know, if we had some snags, but all in all, man, it couldn't have went any better. It was a really good show. Very cool. Very cool. Well, hey, let's jump into it. Um, Niners go tomorrow against Seattle. And uh, I was just telling everybody I'll be doing a pregame with the great Lorenzo Neal, who I'm sure you remember from the Titans. And I always introduce him as future Hall of Fame fullback. I mean, he was just a hammer. Lorenzo just one of, the great, one of the great fullbacks in the history of the league. And he's a killer dude. I wish you could be out here and come out to one of these shows that I do with the uh, low Neil coach. Cause he's, he's just a, he's just a cool dude. He's a great guy. Um, and I'll start having him on this show as well. Uh, he wants to jump onto YouTube and get rolling, but yeah. Um, so we'll be at the, at the Santa Clara Hilton tomorrow, tomorrow from 11 to one leading into Niners Seahawks. And, um, I asked the, you know, I've got a series, you know, because we were a little bit behind, I figured, you know what, I don't, I didn't plan for this stream. We were just going to kind of rip and go, but mm -hmm, then mm -hmm. I had extra time. So I, I came up with some topics that I want to throw your way. So let's get That's right up. into them. Um, and I threw this one in the chat before, but which Niner player in your mind outside of Brock, because he's the quarterback, right? Um, and it doesn't have to be like the best player. I'm not asking you who's the best player in the team. I think we would all say Trent or Bosa, right? But which 49er player do you think is most vital to the Niners winning the Super Bowl uh, this year outside of Brock? Doesn't have to be their best player because we all know who the best right, player is. Right. Just, and I, I see who, where you're trying to go with this. Who, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, who do you think is like, you know, like, you know, who they men, this guy better step up for this reason. Um, oh, by the way, big dev one just says, just, just subscribed coach. Hey, man. There you go. Thank you. There guys. you go. Thank yeah. You let me guys. just say that before we get rolling coach. It's, it's bang. It's SF bang, bang. No, it's bang dash bang underscore 49 bang dash bang underscore 49. So if you're I'm on YouTube, uh, bang dash bang underscore 49. Um, go follow everybody in the chat. We got, you know, 400 people and climbing in the room. We're probably going to get close to seven, 800. Everybody in the chat, give coach a follow, man. Coach's channel is in its infancy, but he puts out great content. He's obviously, as you guys know, very passionate. Here it is right here um, on the screen. Wait a second. There we go. Uh, bang dash bang underscore 49. Thank so, you so much, guys. If everybody could give coach a follow and help him grow his channel as fast as possible. Uh, that would be cool. But who are you going with, Coach? Who Who's the guy that you're thinking of as, as the key 49er that has to step up for the Niners to get in that winning circle? Well, at first, I'll dress it up. At first, I thought it would be Trent Williams for sure, right? And then right. on the surface, you're going to have to say Christian McCaffrey. But those are pretty much the easy ones. And to be honest with you, I wasn't that upset or worried with – uh, Jalen Moore's play um, instead of Trent Williams being gone. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't Trent, but it wasn't a just complete fall off. It wasn't. Uh, even with Christian McCaffrey, we still have backs that we're still looking to see behind him and see if they can be ingratiated into the lineup. And still you can get it done with different running backs. For me, it would have to be Fred Warner. 
uh, Fred Warner not being here completely takes the head off of the snake of this defense. Um, he's the most reliable player we have. He's the most available player that we have that he's always playing. He's never hurt. Okay. And he rallies the defense. And one of the biggest things that we got to realize is that we had some communication issues with the defense and coach Wilkes. Right. And what did we do to rectify that? We brought coach Wilkes down on the sideline to kind of shorten that gap, a telephone where they can understand what's going on and they can feel the energy. Fred Warner is the lightning rod of this defense. Everybody follows him, even the leaders that would in the locker room, right? Because you know how football is, Larry. There's leaders in the locker room, and then there's leaders on the field, and then there's leaders that coaches think should be leaders, right? There's three tiers of leaders in a football team, right? right? So the leaders in the locker room are the real leaders. Those are the leaders that the men that the men in the room say are the guy, right? And usually, if you have a football team, they just leave it at that. But then you have your leaders on the field where, yeah, the locker room may say that this guy is the emotional leader, but I'm better than you. And when we get on the field, I run the show because I'm the leader. And Fred Warner is one of those guys where you would look at Eric Armstead being pretty much the unquestioned leader of this entire team, right? Is probably one of the biggest guys there. But even when he's on the field, it's Fred Warner's show. He's the orchestrator of that of that symphony. And if we lose Fred, um, I just it's not only for what he brings, but then what do you bring behind him? Who's going to play in Fred's stead? Right. So for me, losing Fred would um, and just for the fans, I feel like losing Trent worries the fan base, you know, losing. But missing Fred is almost kind of something that's not even recognizable for 49er fans because he plays so much. Right. Yeah. With Fred not being out almost when it's a shame for Fred because he's created this. Uh, he's kind of created this monster. But even when Fred gets hurt, I feel it. I know you feel it. The energy is get up, Fred. You ain't that hurt. Get up. It can't be that bad because you don't get hurt, Fred. Even as ridiculous as it sounds, he's been so available that he's kind of made us spoiled in that way. So for me, one of the guys that when you think 49ers defense, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, you think you could put uh, Nick Bosa out there. Uh, and there's some other superlative names out there, maybe Dre Greenlaw. But when you think 49ers defense, number 54 is always running out in front. If we lost Fred, it'd be a big deal in my opinion. That's a good one. That's a good one. And, I, you know, I, I, I love that one. Uh, Richard Thorne says, how about Greenlaw? I, you yeah. Know, digital exactly. Drew through Greenlaw. Greenlaw is is just vicious. I mean, he is just vicious. I love, I love Dre Greenlaw. And I yeah. didn't realize I, I he did an interview this week with somebody, and I didn't realize that Dre came from a from a home where you know he he was not an easy life. You know, he didn't have an easy road. Um, you know, I, I he lived with different families, and um, you know, he just he I think he was taken in by one of his coaches, and you know, so it's it hasn't been an easy road. And to me, I admire people who persevere because, you know, that's what life is about. Let's be totally honest. Bad shit's going to happen. And yeah. it's all about how do we react, um, you know, to, you know, to bad shit happening. Uh, Riddy Musage says, Larry doesn't like me anymore. Riddy, I love you. Riddy. <laughs> Riddy. Riddy. How could you say that? That's a endearing name, too. Riddy. Riddy. Riddy, I love you, brother. I love you. Riddy. Riddy, come on back. Don't don't Riddy, leave. No. Don't Riddy, leave, no. Riddy. Riddy. I love you. 
Come on, man. I'm dying without you, Riddy. I can't sleep at night, Riddy. I call. I drive by your house. I see if your car's parked in the driveway. You got to hold the boombox up in front of the door. Riddy. That's me when the phone rings and nobody's on the other line. That's me. I'm calling. Riddy, I love you. I love you, Riddy. It's been three days since we Riddy. I don't know why Riddy doesn't think I like him. I love you, Riddy. You're great. Um, uh, we're having fun. No, but I, I would I would say, um, you know, the one for me is George freaking Kittle. Just because it's all about who's the next man up. And I look at that. This is why I think the Niners ought to go for Ertz is I, I love Charlie Warner as a blocker. But let's be totally honest. He's nothing close to George Kittle as a receiver. And Dwelly's now got a high ankle sprain. Braden Willis is a kind of a fullback, H-back, you know, rookie trying to transition to the NFL, trying to figure it all out. Latou's on the IR. Tight end is so vital in this offense. Um, and I, you know, Shanahan loves to go to the two tight end set, and he doesn't even, you know, he might not even have two tight ends. You know, so Kittle to me is like, wow, you got to have George just because next man up. Like, if you lose McCaffrey, I don't feel great. But yeah. I like Jordan Mason. I like Elijah Mitchell. The ball think, still can be carried. You know that. Yeah. Um, I You lose Trent, and that's terrible. But you know what? Um, you know, I, I, I've got confidence in Jalen Moore. I really do. Yeah. Now, he's not Trent. He's not Trent. But he, I've got confidence in Jalen Moore. But as mm-hmm. far as when I look at guys and I'm like, oh, shit. That, they're now worse. Way worse. Kittle on offense, and I would say either Warner or Greenlaw on defense, and obviously Nick Bosa. Well, I have one on defense, too, that would really hurt us if we lost him, too. Who do you got? Uh, well, obviously Nick Bosa, but we but we still a D-line. But Traverius Ward, man. Yeah. The last, two, the last two games that we great. played, he's played really good, but he's also let me know that we're not getting out of – we're not out of the woods yet with seeing some of these, some of these top tip of the spear – um, receivers, man. You know, so losing Traverius would, would bump Demo out. That would put that would keep Ambry on the outside. And what are we dealing with in the middle? Uh, Ambry, t- I mean, uh, Sammy Womack at, at, at the nickel. Yeah, right. That that's less than stellar. But uh, losing, I mean, for what it's worth, right now, Traverius Ward is our lockdown corner. He's our guy. He so for him to be gone, you know, I would feel like teams would almost want to start getting what the Niners struggle with, which is that quick passing game. You see what I'm saying? Like, totally. even with even with that quick passing game, Larry, that's why Fred is worth his weight in gold because he's quick enough, savvy enough to go sideline to sideline underneath, but he's still fast enough to carry in the slot if he needs to carry a running back or a slot receiver. And that's that's almost uh, that's almost like having another Jimmy Ward on our team. Right where he's multifaceted and he can get things done on any type of situation on the field, you know. So really, it's Fred Warner is really good, but he's also plays like about three different positions for us on defense. Yeah. So uh, you know that's why we got it. We got to keep those guys. No doubt, no doubt. Um, okay, uh, I I, t- I, I kind of talked about this before you got in here, but Big Dom, the Eagles security guard, we got an yeah, yeah. update on that. He's not going to be on the sidelines for Dallas Philly. Um, and he's still going to do all of his regular duties. He's going, you know, to Dallas for the trip. 
Um, and you know, now we're updating the status of traveling status of uh, security guards, but um, he won't be on the sideline. And uh, the NFL is doing a deeper dive and a deeper investigation in um, in in you know into what happened and and the whole that that little fracas or whatever you want to describe it as between him and Greenlaw on uh, mm-hmm. on the field. I guess the, the question I would have for you to try to advance this a little bit: What do you think, Coach? I mean, we all know that. Dre shouldn't have put his hands on on the security guard. The security guard definitely shouldn't have been on the field. The depth mm-hmm. of the security, we, we could lecture the guy forever, but we all know. I mean, the security guard cannot be touching the players. That's just period. This, we all period. know that. Period. But what do you think, Coach? What, in, a, in a world where we don't, we're not mad at Dom, I'll take, for, I'll take it at face value, the people that say, hey, man, he's a good dude. You know, he looks like a good dude, whatever. Uh, right. They like him. I'll take their word for it. He's a good dude. Cool, Talks, yeah, does a lot of good stuff for Philly. So let's not pretend mm-hmm. the guy's evil. He's not. Um, but what's appropriate punishment, do you think, from Goodell, from the league? What, what's an appropriate way to go forward uh, involving Big Dom so that it doesn't happen again? They send a message, but they don't, you know, destroy this guy. Well, that's the thing about uh, security is that there is no emotion in security. You're supposed to be an inanimate object, honestly. Um almost as if you're a guardrail, just a human form of it. Uh, For me, you know, you don't want anybody to lose their job. Uh, But that's the recourse in security, though, right? When you have high, um, when you have um, high liability jobs where there's a lot at stake, the the threshold for keeping or losing your job can be very staunch, right? right? There's no wiggle room. Right. So I could see if you were working, if Big Dom was a secretary and he accidentally sent out like the wrong email, depending on what's in the email, that could be rectified. Right. But when, you know, if you're a truck driver, there's some certain things that you do as a semi truck driver that, yo, if you're driving way too many hours, you're automatically fired. And it's not the fact that you didn't fall asleep this time. It's not the fact that you got caught driving past your hours. Dude, you're fired because you're a liability driving down the road with a multi-thousand pound weighted weapon on wheels, okay? And you can't be trusted with this. And it's not about what we think you're going to do down the road, but it's the fact that you did it now. And you know you couldn't have done it. And you shouldn't have done it. So it's not... I just want people to understand that the world of security is very unforgiving in that aspect. Guys losing their job in security is almost kind of like we're, we're private contractors, essentially. So losing your job is almost in the same ilk as a coach losing his job. Everybody knows that no, you may like a coach, but there are certain areas of his job that either keep him in the building or it's like, God, we like this guy, but he's got to go. Right. There, this are there is- diff- not to interrupt, but are there different labels for this? Like, like, you do a certain kind of security. He's been mm-hmm. listed as security. And a lot of people like myself are going, Hey man, if you're security, you would be wearing a yellow coat facing the stands, but isn't yeah, he, he's not that security. No. He's a bo- He's a bodyguard is what he is. He's not really a security well, guy. Cause well, isn't he's he, personal protection. Isn't his yeah. responsible kind of, isn't he responsible for like the getting on and off the field for, for Sirianni. So isn't, yeah. He's so the just, he's not really he's, security. He's more yes. like a bodyguard. They make it more inconspicuous now the way they used to do it. The way they used to do it is they would just utilize local law enforcement from the area to handle those type of duties. They That's would what just they do college. in college. You'll yeah. see a couple. Alabama trots off the field. Nick Saban's got a with couple. With some troopers. Yeah, with the, with the hats and everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So 
Um, my dad did 25 years Prince George's County Sheriff's Department, you know, so he was very much involved in uh, crowd suppression control for Wizards games or when they were the Bullets, you know, working out over here at uh, FedEx Field for Redskins games. So I've been very much a part of all of those outfits, working myself in FedEx Field that time, doing a lot of concierge and um, event security myself. And what it used to be was they would just utilize the local law enforcement that was in the area for them to do that. And it was a cool little part-time gig. Guys, maybe get a couple of hundred dollars, a cool little sandwich and a picture. But now, and if you like the guy enough, it was kind of like your permanent outpost, right? So during the season for eight weeks, you got yourself a nice little job, right? Walking the coach on, walking them off, being personal security, protect the coach so he can do his job and to protect the staff. The players are fine. OK, you're not there to protect the players. So when he stepped out of bounds for what he did, uh, we talked about this before. What it's not the fact that he tried to do his job. He just did it wrong. You know, he could have simply just been a presence and stood there. And if he really was worried about Dre Greenlaw and Devontae Smith getting into something that was outside of the realm of the game, he could have just been a presence and stood in between them. The moment he fucked up is, number one, where he stepped. He was off the field. So, number one, you're wrong. Okay. Two, why are you talking? Okay. We see the video running. What are you saying to him? What type of what type of conversation do you need to have with somebody right now? You need to just be standing there and getting yelled at and waiting until the proper authorities come in there to get your big ass out of the way. Um, and three, initiating contact. People don't understand, like in certain security, man, like it's you're not, not the supposed to ins you're not supposed situation. to put your hand out or or in okay? any way do anything to make the situation. Yes, you're a diffuser, you're right? Exacerbating the situation right. by and putting it by putting your own your own wishes in there for what you want to do. So um because of that, for me, he should be fired. I'm sorry. He really? Should, I mean, wow. Yeah, I think that seems harsh, be, man. Um, because because it's a liability issue. You know what? If depending on the conversation that we're having with that we're having with him, what what kind of what kind of uh, disappointed me? If I was if this was my contract and Don was my employee, right? Which I do have a security firm and I have people that work under me. Mm -hmm. What would frustrated me was the aftermath. It's not the fact that you got taken off the field, but what are you sitting there? dapping everybody up, slapping hands, talking about we'll get them next time in the hallway after the game. Like, my man, you're still not doing your job. Right. You're still not doing your job. But you so, wouldn't suspend. You'd fire, huh? Yeah, I'd fire him. I wouldn't suspend him. And wow. that's not me being a Niners fan. That's me doing payroll every week, paying tons, paying grown men for over a dozen years. If he worked for a loyalty company, he'd be, he'd be, he'd be fired. I'm sorry. What do you think he makes, if I could, if I could ask? I mean, what do you – um, It's probably a one-off. It's probably a one-off, so it's probably in that eight-game range. He probably maybe may hit six figures, or maybe like around there, seventy. So seventy it's a, to it's be a on the sideline. Yeah, yeah, it's a sweet gig. You know, eight games. You're there. You're, uh, you know, and that's the thing. One of the things that I noticed is that they said that he can't be on the field. So then you have to ask yourself. That's essentially his job, though. So you're asking him, well, what is he doing if he's not there on game day? So. God, if he, um, if he gets fired, I mean, he, the guy's going to be a martyr in in Philly. I mean, he's yeah, he'll find a job right away. If he, and that's the right thing about away. security, like it, this guy is more than fine, right? He if he he's got a Rolodex and a profile that if he's working for the NFL, 
he's going to fall on his feet, especially some some sympathizers around there who don't think anything happened that that she that he deserved to get fired. But um, security is unforgiving. Um, it is. I've had guys that I've given chances to um, personally. I've had guys I've given chances to. And some of the things that they did teetered on the side of like liability issues, like, you know, you're not doing your job and it's come back to bite. me. It really has like it's cost me money. You know, I've had security. I had a security firm for over 12 years. And at one point we had a million dollars a year in insurance and that insurance premium used to shoot through the goddamn roof every time I used to give somebody a break. You know, so, I mean, liability wise, nah, mm. you know, what what if he would have been. I keep saying the word liability, so let me let me explain. I mean, I mean, if if um, if the 49ers, I mean, let's just say he poked Greenlaw in the eye and he got a yes! retina or something like that. Thank if you. Anything. What, could if he what if he's a big guy, right? And these guys got on cleats with their soft toe shoes on top. What if he would have stepped on somebody, right, and broke a toe? What if he would have fell on somebody and hurt somebody? Not being funny, but anything could have happened. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cool story, bro. Computer security and physical security, both. So yeah. um, for me, I just, I just, I don't look at what happened. I look at what could have happened. And that's why I would let him go, honestly. Mm. Well, it seems harsh, but um, I'll defer to you on this. I, You know a whole lot more about this realm than I do, so. Uh, I, I never like to see people lose their gigs. I, to me, it's bad karma for me. I, I, if you want you notice one thing I'll never do is I'll never, I'll never, I don't go to the, in sports or out of sports, I don't go to the fire them card very much because I've been fired and especially during the holidays, it sucks and it's just really hard. So mm-hmm. I'll never go there, but I'm not, I'm not, you know telling you what to how you should feel i mean you know yeah, more yeah. About this, I, and, and, and this, this isn't me wanting to be fired sure. yeah this just so happens to fall within one of my wheelhouses like yeah, yeah, i totally. do security which is why i want to get your your perspective on it um yeah. okay interesting little note from grant this morning where he's suggesting that maybe logan ryan is here to replace jair brown jair brown right. as the starting strong safety you know, they're saying all the right things about Jair Brown, but he may have had a missed assignment. We saw him have a missed tackle. What do you think? I looked at it as he's going to keep Isaiah Oliver, who did play some safety in this last game, you know, one more step from the field. You know, I, I think I think Jair, uh, Logan Ryan is going to be a replacement or the guy who play, slots in ahead of Isaiah Oliver at safety um, and with the guy who can play maybe the slot corner in a pinch. For those who don't know Logan Ryan, he came out of college from Rutgers as a corner, and then he played for New England. He won a couple of rings, but mm-hmm. he's kind of transitioned to a safety role, which a lot of guys do as they age and they lose some of their speed. But what do you think, Coach? Would you, if you were going forward based on what you've seen from Jair, I'll say this: Jair has not been like offensively bad. He, no. he may have missed no. a tackle. Uh, he may, you know, he's a young player. But would yeah. you rather go with Jair Brown at strong safety? Or Logan Ryan at strong safety going forward. I don't know if Logan Ryan's going to play strong safety for us though, Larry, because he didn't really do it in his career. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's he's, he's played all the spots, which is kind of he's kind of the jack of all trades, master of none at this right. juncture, right? I mean, he's not yeah, he's not just, really what you want as a safety. He's not really, really what you what want you as a corner. Corner, yeah. yeah. I, I, okay, so in that guy's 
uh, it, it, potentially, right? Everything doesn't mean something, but something that, but but every everything doesn't mean. I mean, something doesn't mean everything, but something is something, bro. Like him being on the team. Uh, for me, I, the only reason why I want to stay away from Jair Brown is because he's young. I don't want to put that narrative out there. I think that they saw these issues with him, and because he got thrusted onto the field, they're seeing what. They the reason why he didn't play, right? He just doesn't have his body yet. He's he's a little less physical, but he has heart. He wants to be physical. He's just not there yet. And from a mental standpoint, he is missing some assignments. He missed two big tackles in the Eagles game very early on. But that's him being eager. You gotta let the kid play. Um he by the way, just in fairness to Jair, he did have six tackles, five of them were solo which was the second most to Greenlaw and Ambry on the team against Philly. So it's not like he's not doing anything. He's making tackles. He's doing it. Yes. And the only reason why I, I want to stay away from um, Logan Ryan's uh, um, arrival is basically Jair Brown's departure is because we were trying to make a move like this before with Jason Verrett earlier in the year. Do you remember that? And it didn't work out. And that was well before uh, that was well before Jair Brown had even sniffed the field because Huff was still healthy and they were still trying to make this move. Right. So I look at it and I look at it from the guys of they need another veteran corner and not, not even a corner, but they need a DB. Right. They need another live body. Somebody in the room who's not who going to piss down their leg. Thank you. Exactly. They're going to get on the field and actually give us a couple of reps. They're not going to get picked on. Okay. If we put you on the field, you're not going to be a complete mark. All right. You can give us competent play. And on top of it, you're going to be a good locker room guy to keep our boys ready and bubbling on the back end should and if they need to get on the field. Uh, I do look at it as, as a strong depth piece, but right now, I like where J.R. Brown is because of who he's surrounded by. We're not really looking for him to make huge plays. We're just looking for him to play within the defense. Right. right? So with Logan, with uh, Logan coming in, I see that. I see just more depth in them preparing for the possibility of. Right. Because you got to look at it with Huff gone. Jair gets elevated. All right. And now our safety room looks a lot thinner. Right. So. I like the move with Logan Ryan coming in, but I don't think it's definitely for the pure replacement of Jair Brown. But I do think it's there for you know football is football is a violent game, right? Yeah. And we insurance policy down. Yeah. quality veteran in uh, depth and insurance. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of yeah. what I look at Logan Ryan. I don't think he's a big striker. I'd rather I like Jair Brown better. I I think um, uh, Edward Austin says here Jair will show. That he's the right guy for the position. Jair, they know they got the right guy. It's just yeah. a matter of, you know, how ready is he to go right it's now? It's a matter I, of time I, with Jair. I, I I'd like roll with he plays. I'd roll with Jair. Yeah. All right. How about Eric Armstead? Let's move to Eric Armstead because Armstead is out. He's not going to play this week. He's not going to mm-hmm. play next week. To me, that's the one concern I have. One, I love that they're sitting him. Why? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, he he's got to- plantar fasciitis. Anybody who's ever had plantar fasciitis knows that it rests is all that makes it better, rest. Right. And so getting a big man like that, 6'7", 300 pounds, 290, whatever he is, off his feet for a couple games will Huge. help the plantar fasciitis. He's also got a little knee pain going on. You need him in the playoffs. 
I don't know that you need him to win these next couple games against the against the Seahawks and Cardinals. Um, so he's out of this game. Who would you like to see start opposite Hargrave inside? Because the options, as you know, Jamar. are Kinlaw and Ke- uh, Kevin Givens and Kalia um, Davis. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, I, I want Javon. It's time. It's time. We 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 got a lot of little saga stories on this roster, right? We got a lot of like first round pick whoa guys where they didn't really pan out, and we do a good job at like discarding guys or kind of like pushing them off to the wayside, especially when we get a lower guy that comes in there instead and does better than them. Everybody loves to brag about a deal. That's just what it is. Uh, so. Javon Kinlaw has been somebody that's really been on the outskirts of the timing of the timing of when he's going to show us who he truly is as a player and his body being able to cooperate with him. Right. So for me, I've always wanted to see uh, Javon blossom because I just felt as though that he got a raw deal and he was working really hard while getting it, which is so hard. Right. Like the injuries that he was having with his knee. He completely changed his body in the last summer, came in and then had more arthritic problems with his knee on top of him learning how to be a pro, dealing with the media, dealing with knowing how to be um, this new player and the pressure of, you know, we got Javon Kinball as a DeForest Buckner replacement. That's just why he was here. That's facts. And he's feeling good right now, too. He is feeling good. I I talked to him yesterday in the locker room or uh, Thursday, I guess it was. And uh, Mm -hmm. I, you know, he said, man, I'm feeling good. And, you know, so he's ready. He's ready. He's in his, he's playing with leverage. He's playing. He's just coming off a two sack game. I think I would, I agree. I think I would roll with Kinlaw and just see if, uh, see if you can get him to, you know, play, uh, you know, a, a big majority of those snaps. Yeah. Um, I want to share this with you though, because this was, this was Wilkes. I asked Wilkes this week about Kalia. We don't really know that much about Kalia. I'm a big fan He's a former linebacker. He played at Central Florida. Yep. Here, here's Wilkes talking a little bit about Kalia. I asked him about him on uh, Thursday. Steve, okay. key to Kalia Davis. We haven't seen a lot of him, but he's obviously a very talented player. What do you like about his game? Oh, uh, man, Kalia, Kalia has really, you know, the whole time when he wasn't in there, he, he kept that mindset of just waiting for his opportunity and for him to seize it the way he did this past week. Uh, was glorifying for, for not only him, but for everybody. Um, good pad level. Uh, he's very strong. Uh, I love the way he comes off the ball, uses his hands well, and um, good lateral movement where he can shed and uh, get down a lot of scrims and chase things down. So uh, he's going to be getting a lot of a lot of reps here coming up soon. There you go. Uh, obviously, Co uh, Wilkes knew the situation with Armstead, so – Kalia is going to get some run. What did you think of Kalia? I mean, uh, he was a linebacker. He runs really well for somebody well. 315 pounds, for sure. Yeah, he runs very well. Um, very athletic, explosive. Uh, I was surprised by his knee bend um, off of coming off that injury. I mean, God, he gets so parallel with the turf, man, when he tries, when he fires off the ball. He's got a good motor. Um, he just – doesn't know where he needs to be sometimes on the field, but that just comes with playing. He needs to be on the field some more. Um, I'm excited about him and Javon. Uh, Kalia Davis is another athlete who's coming off of another serious knee injury who is bouncing back where the Niners have stuck with him. That's one thing I've seen about the Niners, man, is that if you show any type of 
real promise on the defensive side of the ball, especially on D line, they will stick with you, right? That's oh. just another that yeah, that's just another hallmark of how this team is built. And uh Kalia Davis and Javon Kinlaw are examples of that. They have stuck with these guys, and really we're about to see proof of concept with uh Eric Armstead being down. You know, Eric is big oak. He's he's literally class personified as being the tip of the spear on that defensive line. But as we were talking about before we talked uh, before we heard about Coach Wilkes, I'm really excited for Javon. Um, Javon Kinlaw is getting a lot better. One of the biggest things about Javon when he first started is that he used to play really high. Right. Yeah. Coming out of his break, he would come coming out of his uh, stance. He popped straight up. Right. Well, and you so, lose you lose all your leverage. You lose all your strength. All your strength. That beautiful yeah, I mean, physique that he has gets wasted when he wasted. pops right up, yeah. right? And then you get to see him. And then it, it just – what's really bad is that he's such a long athlete with being as big as he is. He's still tall. And it just looks awkward on the film, right? When you see a man of that stature, his body getting pushed back where you know that he's got tons of strength. He's just not in his power angles and he doesn't have good leverage. I have not seen a lot of that this year with Javon. Javon seems very eager to get upfield a little bit so much though, that it's helping his past, his past rush. And he's doing a, a phenomenal job at finding second move. Javon didn't have a second move when he first started last year, when Javon was playing last no. year, it was a bull rush. That was it. Maybe a side swipe. That was it. Maybe a club. That was it. Maybe a rip. That was it. But for the most part, it was a bull rush. He just wanted to get his hands on you. Now you see it being layered. I actually saw Javon using multiple moves during defense. So, I mean, during defensive pass rushing uh, um, opportunities. Now, what has suffered a little bit with Javon is his his run defense has dipped a little bit as a result of being so preoccupied with trying to get up the field. We're trying to have a first step. We're trying to get past the line of scrimmage and get three three step three yards of penetration to crush that pocket. He hasn't been asked out in the run game, but. It's not for lack of trying. It's not because he's a bitch. He knows what he's doing. His biggest thing is he needs more of those run reps where he's not really seeing them because we have a little bit of a star-studded D-line. So you yeah. got to kind of wait your turn, right? I think with Javon, especially Javon, because I haven't seen so much of Kalia yet, and I, I mean, I'm eager to see. I just haven't seen a lot. But with what Javon has shown throughout the year and the type of player that we know he is, and let's just talk about the personal level. Eric Armstead is Javon Kinlaw's mentor. Yeah. All right. Oh, that's his mentor. Know, he's his, he calls him, I mean, I talked to him yesterday. He calls Eric one of the most important people in his life. Yeah, that's his that's his big homie. That's his yeah. that's his OG, real talk. He and professionally, yes, he personally, him personally, spiritually, financially, life coach wise, the whole nine, right? I, totally. Like Eric Armstead is damn near tying his shoes up for him. Like that, that's his OG. And I'm going to tell you this right now. If you don't think Eric Armstead, Eric hasn't sat Javon down and been like, bro, you better represent. You better come in here and make it look like we haven't missed a beat. Don't you go out there and fail me. Don't you go out there and nut up and shit the bed now that you finally got an opportunity with me sitting down? Me. You know how they feel about me. If I'm taking a break, bro, this is one of the rare cracks in the door that you're going to get in this game. And that's how that's how NFL players talk to each other. Totally. Even though from a fan standpoint, it may look like, man, you're kind of like telling him to take your spot. No, it's an opportunity. 
Eric believes, Eric believes okay. that when Javon gets that opportunity, that he's going to be great in this league. He told me that this week or last week. Yeah. I had a great oh. conversation with Javon yesterday, by the way. Everybody should go check that out. We had an extended uh, uh, couple minutes where we talked dip. Uh, we talked dip. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, because he had a big old lipper in. And I said, I said, Javon, uh, I go, you know, I used to be a Copenhagen man myself back in the day. I beat my, I beat the habit eventually. But mm-hmm. uh, I go, what are you dipping? You know, I go, what's your dip of choice? Win a green long cut. And he, he goes, he goes, oh, man. Grizzly. I just, you know, he goes, he's like, oh, man, uh, I don't even know what this is. Uh, I, go, I go, what are you dipping? Grizzly? You dipping long cut? You dipping Kopi? You dipping uh, Skull? What yeah. do you got? And he's like, I just bummed this one from uh, George or something. And he's like, he's like, uh, but I just, any, anything, he goes, anything that has a little flavor to it, a little wintergreen. Wintergreen long cut. Grizzly wintergreen long cut, man. A little wintergreen, just anything that has a little flavor to it. Hey uh, man, but, uh, Javon's school, a good that was the dip of the gods. Wintergreen <laughs> long cut, grizzly wintergreen long cut. I had you to know, stop, I used to do man. radio shows, and I went from snuff to long cut just so it wouldn't move around. Yeah, on yeah, me. so it stays. So, and and there would be there a couple times I'd be doing shows. This is back in the day. This is like twenty years ago. Guys would be like, somebody would call big Kruger. Really sounds like you're dipping. I'm like ah, uh, and I you know, trying to keep it a secret. I'm like no, no, you know they get, yeah, the yeah. show wasn't on on TV at the time and there was no cameras. No, I'm not dipping. Nah. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I feel like I, it feels like, sounds like you're dipping. Uh, yeah, no, but yeah, we talked a little dip. We talked a little, everything. Yeah. check that out on YouTube. Um, no, yeah, but John, John's got an opportunity here. Kalia has got an opportunity. Givens is playing at a high level. They just gotta, they gotta, uh, give Eric a couple weeks off, man. They got to figure out a way to step up and give a couple, give the big man a couple weeks off. If Eric Armstead is rolling full tilt, man, the Niners' chances of going to and winning the Super Bowl go up. So he's yeah. a very important guy. We talked about, you know, who's the most important guy. We didn't even mention him, but he is really vitally important. So yeah, he's, um, he's huge. He's huge to what they do. Uh, if you, you know, you and I, we watch film regularly, Larry. Um, if you look at their defensive stunts, a lot of that stuff where Eric is the pivot, he's the one D lineman that they that they move off of. Right. They predicate a lot of their stunts and a lot of their pressures off of the pressure and the movement that Eric Armstead gets at that spot. So well, he's, he's a um, cerebral player coach. I mean, one of the keys to defending Hertz and Gino, by the way, is staying in your lanes and balancing your D line. And like there was a play I was talking to Randy Gregory. Uh, the other day, and I mentioned to him, I said, hey, there was a play where Bosa was outside, shot inside against Hertz, and that Eric, and it was in front of Eric, and Eric saw this and reacted by pushing outside, despite the fact he had a lane to get up the field inside. He Instead, he pushed outside to keep the four-man line balanced and to keep basically the pocket, you know, keep him hemmed in as opposed to, oh, there's a side door open, open. you know? Yeah. So he, he's like, Bosa shot in, he shot out, you know, the other way and basically balanced the whole thing out. And Randy was like, yeah, man, he's first of all, Randy's like, hey, man. And I go <laughs> when the interview is over, he's like, he's like, I dig you, man. You're you watch the film. And I said, well, hey, man, if I'm going to come in here and ask you guys questions, I better fucking know what I'm talking about. Otherwise, I'm going to look like a jerk. And he's like, he's like, he's like, truer words have never been spoken. But he's like, he's like, man, I appreciate you. So but that was the plan 
which was, mm-hmm. I mean, Hertz only ran seven times. His longest run was seven yards. That was one of the keys to the victory was that the Niners kept him hemmed in. Um, if he runs for 25 yards and busts your defense and guts it, and and now everybody's got their hands on their hip because they're, oh, you're breathing heavy. Now yeah. suddenly you're not nearly as effective. They minimized his rush, took away his, his big runs, and I thought that was as big a key as any to them beating Philly. Yeah. Um how we're intelligently that that's I didn't I didn't realize what they were doing by looking at it, but you could tell that they were keeping the rush lanes in front of them with uh Jalen. They were they weren't teeing off trying to go get him. What they were trying to do is keep his ass in that pocket. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and how they did it, a lot of it wasn't just keeping your man in front of you and two gapping. It's intelligently designed. There are times where you have to be an Eric Armstead and you see somebody cutting in from your left and you have to have the spatial awareness to understand, okay, so he just collapsed on the other side. Now I'm the new outside man. So let me get wide right? keep the integrity of what he's doing. Right. Look what Bosa said. Bosa said, hey, if Dallas is smart, they're going to copy our rush plan. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have to. But, you know, we talked about this. Uh, everybody was smart and they copied what the Browns did to us. Right. They're like This is just a copycat league. You know, ever since the Browns went man across and went five and went five, a five man front and 50, they went bare against us, basically. To single out our offensive linemen to try to keep us from getting combo blocks on outside zone and what we were doing heavily at the time. That's all we saw for a month. Right. That's just what the NFL does. And how we beat the Eagles wasn't a um, this is why I think Philadelphia needs to be worried is because what we did to them wasn't emotional. Right. It wasn't all we're really upset because of what you guys did to us last week. You and I know, Larry, emotion lasts for like maybe the first two series. It was smart. It was an intelligent plan. It's way too much of a violent game to be caring about a storyline while you get your ass whipped. Like, no. That stuff lasts for like it's cool for the coin flip, maybe the first kickoff or two series. But once the ball is once the game is playing, it's all right. Who's better? Who's better? And for us to continuously outclass them in in virtually all facets of the game, uh, they got to be worried because that was a complete game plan against them. It was no no doubt, no doubt. You don't got to worry about how good the team is when you got a game plan. Telling you, oh, and and that's the that's what the Niners have to do. It's not about. Um, you know, it, you know the the old saying. Hey, it's not about work harder; it's about work smarter. And that's what the Niners really did against Philly. They 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 didn't work. You know, it wasn't like how hard they worked; it was how smart they worked. All right, we got a few more topics, but let's hit some supers right here. Mm-hmm. Um, pimp game, Arnold Palmer. Okay, <laughs> never seen him. This is Brandon Ayuk for MVP one hundred. He's been great. Well, he's been great the last couple of oh last five last couple games. Of games. My he's God, it's just been unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Danny Golding, and I've got a Ayuk topic I want to throw your way as well. Gotcha. Grant had another question about him going to Houston, so we'll talk about that. Danny Golding TV says, "Keep up the great work, Larry. Thank you, Danny." Um, we got this one from Holes Joe. He said, "Did anyone notice Oliver playing safety against the Eagles, or, or was I tripping?" No, I think he, he did play a little safety. Everybody saw it and freaked out. He just filled in for Gibson for one play. He did right. out. I know exactly what you're talking about, though. <laughs> is that Oliver? Uh, well, Mike Mike Monahan just Larry made Riddy a mixtape. Thank you. Thank you. Uh Kevin Crittenden 
says researchers at UC Davis fed a broad of pigs, a pickle only diet. The pigs vocalizations took on the quality of Bay Area sports analyst Larry Kruger. The long term impact on this on sports media is unclear at this time. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thanks for the donation. Voice ad agency seemed like 49ers went with a spread offense against the Eagles for the most part. What was your guys take on that? Um, I didn't notice that it was necessarily a spread offense, though. They they're you know what they're doing a lot more. And I, I don't you know, I'm not I'm not saying that this is an anti juice deal, but they're taking the fullback off the field. and They're going to three wides. Mm-hmm. A lot more of their dynamic plays. It's almost like, coach, they're choosing Juwan Jennings over uh Hughes check. It's like that third wide receiver is almost always going to be Jennings. And when you go three wides and with the tight the one tight end, you take the fullback off the field. So it's like there's a lot less snaps for juice, but man, Jennings is such a dog. Jennings is such a high effort guy. Jennings is such a such a great underrated football player. Uh I, I, I liked it. I liked it against Philly, but that might be a Philly specific thing. We'll have to see what it looks like this week against Seattle. Um, but yeah, I've noticed the last two or three weeks, really since the bye, they've gone to a more three wide look. Well, uh, I have a theory about that. And, and, and basically this is all credit to Kyle. Uh, when the game first started, I did not recognize us offensively. Uh, we had three straight passes. We went five. We went empty on two of those passes. We had a sack. And we ran the ball for the first time with Debo to the right side on the end around. We just didn't look like ourselves. And for me, as I watched the film and went back and looked at the results of the game, you got to really start giving Kyle credit on how he opened this game because he had clairvoyance. He understood that the Eagles on the road, they were going to lean into this. They're on the road. And you think about it. We got three days rest. We're galvanized to beat the shit out of these guys and what they did to us. The Eagles just had four weeks of comebacks, okay, and one overtime game. Yeah, they can talk a good game, but they're a little road weary. So what they did is they tried to what they tried to do is they tried to end this game in the first round. They tried to come in here, throw everything, throw everything but the kitchen sink at the wall, and blitz and crowd the line of scrimmage, deny us the newest everything, deny, deny, deny. We're just gonna blow everything up. What I loved about Kyle is is that Kyle understood that the only way to get these guys where they belong on the field before we can get into our game plan is we have to prove to them that we can make them pay when they blitz. We can make you pay through the passing game if you think that bombarding our offensive line and simply going to go get Brock is going to be the game plan today because that's not what we do. And when it first started, when when the game first started, it was hard for Brock to really get acclimated. It was hard for everybody. But that out route to Brandon Ayuk on second and long, that turned it into third and three, where there was a flood concept on the left side of the field with three by one, which made it a four by one post snap after Christian bled out into the flat. And that ball was supposed to go to CMC. Brock made a hot, and called that off and went to Brandon Ayuk on the right-hand side because he was playing off-man coverage on the back side. And that's what started it off. The Eagles really started to say, okay, now we got to play you guys honest. And it wasn't until they started putting themselves traditionally back on the field where they belong, where the linebackers are not, they're at good depth from five yards off of the line of scrimmage or five yards off the ball instead of three or mugging up in the A-gaps. And when they started actually playing us 
honest, we carved them up. And it took Kyle to be smart enough to understand we can't just give these guys our game plan coming in. And to be honest with you, it took trust because if you're Kyle, think about this, Larry. How many you you coach, Larry? You coached, you scouted, you've been around the game. How many coaches do you know, Larry, that have had problems with players because it's just like they, they got too much integrity to tell the kid that it's them? But they know it's like, dude, I cannot get this kid to do things. And at some point, you just coach around him, right? You just, we're not even going to deal with that. I feel like Kyle has had that issue with a lot of the quarterbacks that he's had in his offense, where he's coached around their skill set. Oh, clearly. And yeah. And there's a whole swath, there's whole swaths of the offense that get left on the cutting room floor when it's time to put together a game plan because he doesn't trust what this quarterback can do on a consistent basis. I feel like Kyle, for the first time in his career, he's calling full game plans and he's not worried about where the ball is going. There's a difference from, and this is the this is the the rub that I feel like Kyle has to deal with. Excuse me. There's a difference between being an OC when you know the only responsibility that you have is putting points on the board. Right. But there's a whole different ball game when you're the OC. And and you have the responsibility of the win and the loss. And I feel like Kyle sometimes puts the win and the loss of the game in his game plans. And he hasn't been able to be an OC because he's too much. He's he's predicated. He's he's too preoccupied with worrying about the gaps in the holes of the process of winning the game when he should be thinking about what's the best way to utilize this offense. And I think Brock has given him that license, right, mentally to say, okay, I can sit down with the offensive game plan and be an OC now. I don't have to necessarily worry about what this game plan is going to do with the whole game. We can get that together when we bring in the defensive staff and we talk about how we're going to holistically attach this ball club. But now we got something in the quarterback where I feel confident, I feel confident week in and week out with putting together anything that I can come up with because I know this kid is going to, number one, see it, that's the biggest thing that we want to talk about with Jimmy. We could talk about the picks. We could talk about the injuries. The problem with Jimmy is that he simply could not see the field. He couldn't see it. He could not see the field the way Brock does. And what I saw with the Eagles was Kyle trusting his quarterback to say, look, bro, we're going to be a little uncharacteristic in optics coming into this game, but we got to prove to these guys that we can actually throw the ball before we get to what we want. And I'm going to do it with your arm. And that's something that I haven't seen with Kyle in a while. And I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged. You're right about, uh, you know, he thinks Brock sees it, especially on the play action game. Um, mm-hmm. Jimmy, Jimmy, when he would flip around on the play action game, he never would flip around and immediately throw it. He always had to reassess and recalibrate where the defenders were, where the offensive players were. If you see Brock turn his back on the defense, as soon as he flips around, he's ready to release the football because he knows where he's got a better spatial awareness of the whole thing. Yeah, uh, Matthew Sanders has a donation for you here, Coach. He says, Seattle, slim chance to win, but I expect them to try and get their pound of flesh. Got to stay healthy. Philly, the blueprint is out. Expect haymakers from Dallas. Yeah, yeah well, I would expect also a coordinated rush uh, from Dallas. I think that's something you're going to see. Uh, yeah. Tommy Huxley says, Coach, get off of Witherspoon's jock. He's talking about what? Coach, is on, he's talking about, is he talking about uh, the, D, the DB for – for Seattle, I mean, coach wouldn't even he didn't even mention him. 
<laughs> Tommy might be listening yeah, to the yeah. show. So Christian hey, Roca said, coach, coach, just coach with exclamation <laughs> points. Um, I'm going to share the screen here. I want to, I want to me, this was a, I don't know if I made it a topic, but I, I asked Kyle about this this week and I'm going to show you the play and I'm going to let you hear from Kyle. First, we'll hear from Kyle and then we'll show the play. But okay. here's Kyle. I asked him about this earlier in the week and it was just basically about uh, the, the, the tunnel screen to Debo and the fake that McCaffrey carried out. And here's what Kyle had to say. Kyle on the, uh, on the Debo tunnel screen. Uh, when I watched it again, I saw that uh, McCaffrey really sold the halfback toss. And I don't think Debo scores without that play fake on the backside. Did you show that to the team this week? And and is that your guys' culture or is that all CMC? That's our culture, but um, when we point that all out, and when someone doesn't do it, they, they point yeah. out. So guys have pressure on each other to not let the other guy down. Um but I will say Christian is the best player I've ever been around without the ball in his hand. Just the little things he does that are so obsessive. Like, yeah, everybody carry out fakes and stuff, but he just, he goes to the extreme and it's unbelievable. Yeah. So there, there's a little bit of Kyle talking about the play. Um, and then here I think is the play. If I have it in the right spot here, let me, here it is. Um, and this, this is this is phenomenal. I mean, watch the effort and watch the way the spacing is here on this play. We're going to see it from the sideline wide, then we're going to mm -hmm. see it from the end zone wide. Um, and you're talking about CMC up here to the offset um, of the quarterback to the right there, and he's he he carries this out. Brock never looks at him, never fakes the ball to him, but look at the linebacker and the reaction of the linebacker to his fake and how many false steps he takes. And then look at how it plays out once Debo hits the crease. I see you, TZ. Linebacker tries to get back, but no. It's too much. It's too much. And he's gone. And now here's the end zone copy of it. And I don't know if we'll be able to see McCaffrey or not, but McCaffrey, you'll be able to see him sort of. And watch mm -hmm. McCaffrey. And he's calling for it. He's calling for it. Look at that linebacker, three steps. And now he's trying to chase him back. And can he get there? Oh, no. No. And Debo goes untouched. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I asked McCaffrey about that. And he's like, hey, look, man, we uh, that's the way I got to play. That's the way That's the way we do it. And he mentioned how Kyle mentioned, hey, you know, we show him this. We put pressure on these guys to do this. But it's the level of of the of the fake. Some guys just go through the motions on the fake. It's the urgency on the on the on the hands. It's like, get me, get me, get me. Oh, that linebacker thinks he's gonna have get it. And then he's like back there trying to chase it down and Debo's gone. I mean and that, that would have been a nice gain without the fake, but with the fake, it's a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, and, and this is the stuff that we see on a daily basis, right? We watch the film, and that that play right there is one of the reasons why when we're on top of Debo about doing things without the ball in his hands because of what has to happen when he has the ball in his hands, right? And um, uh, Kyle is 100% right. When you have an offense that's predicated on obfuscation, meaning that hiding in plain sight, being there when you're not, when you're not supposed to be there, uh, it's important that everybody's in on the gag everybody's got to be doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing at a hundred percent at a hundred percent believability and effort. And that's what makes the offense so believable because it's that it's not, 
when you watch that film, right, <clears throat> that play is going to get regurgitated as a cool play, right? But when Seattle looks at that play, that's a play that makes them nervous. You know why? Because you can't coach that. You can't coach that. You can't tell the linebacker, hey, when he throws up his hands and act like he's going to get the ball, that's a fake. No, that's just part of the game that you can't do anything about, right? And that's the stuff where I love the fact that Debo had a bounce back game and he did what he was supposed to do. But Christian plays like a hungry man. He does. He plays like a free agent. His whole attitude is you, you'd be surprised that he gets the money that he does. And that's what you need from everybody on this deep, on this offense, right? And the fact that he's one of the best players and plays like a poor man, you need to understand that uh, there are going to be teams that are going to be testing that in us. And I love that you asked that question because uh, that part of our that part of our offense is more important than 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 just as important than ball carriers getting the ball, in my opinion, because of how we get to certain plays. So, um, by the way, coach, you know how cutthroat the NFL is. Talk about it. The linebacker 53 who made that play or Done. didn't make that play. Cut. Done. Cut. He's Got gone. It. Ellis. Yeah. That's uh was that Ellis, Christian Ellis? Yeah, Christian Ellis. They Done. waved him. They waved him. That was his last game. You'll see a 53 on the field this week for Philly, but, but it it's Shaq Leonard. Yeah, yeah, Shaq Leonard. It's not him. They cut yeah. Christian Ellis after that play. Yeah, so and, this, and that and, and that was NFL, that wasn't man. even like, yeah, that wasn't even like you're a bad player. That's you got got by good play design. You that's got got by is. good play design, but <clears throat> that tells you the cutthroat nature of this biz, man. You're yeah. suiting up in a big game starting against, uh, you know, for the for the defending NFC champions one day. You make a couple bad plays. Uh, Leonard's sitting there. Shaq Leonard's if anybody on the street. Be out, anybody should be helping out Ellis. It's Kyle, man. Yeah. I mean, that, that <laughs> they was picked rough. on him all day. They Dude, picked on him all day. I'll put him on the unemployment line. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he, did. he needs to send him a, a Christmas card or something. Like, sorry. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, once again, shows the cutthroat nature of the NFL. All right, a couple of last ones here. Lawless Light says that point should go to sh to Shown the most media why Brock is not just a system quarterback that trust Kyle has in Brock as he's never had uh, in, in anyone else. And, th and there's no question. That's, Maybe that's, back what, to that's what's been huge to me, uh, Larry, honestly, like, this is what frustrates me about Kyle is that he's a phenomenal coach. He knows the game. His game plans is, is some of the most ingenuity, like some of the most creative and like avant-garde football that I've ever seen was with Kyle, when Kyle, when Kyle is in his bag. My only thing is, is that it is a stark difference from when his back is against the wall. And a lot of that is, is that there's a difference between drawing it up on paper and actually seeing it come to life on the field. And I know that Kyle sees the game in binaries. He sees the game in zeros and ones all over the place. But there's an intelligent side of the game where Kyle's going to have to start leaning onto his relationships to get things done on the field. And that's where I see that's the final step for Kyle. That's yeah. what and I'm starting to see it with with. With Brock, and that's what I mean, Larry. When I keep saying, when I keep saying that Brock is going to expose Kyle, 
is the exposure may be good, right? He may expose some great things that we all that we were waiting to see. Well, he's eliminating the excuses. I mean, there's a, there's re, or, or reasons why they haven't won. One of them has been they've been limited at quarterback. They're probably not limited at quarterback as much now. Check mm-hmm. that box. And it, as you start eliminating these other reasons of why you're losing, then it isolates Kyle. And yeah. if he's if he's the reason they lose, it will start to stand out more. Where in the past, he's might be one of the reasons they lost, but Jimmy's limits might be one of the reasons they lost. Lack of pass rush might be one of the reasons they lost. Lack of offensive line may be one it of the reasons. There's always wiggle room. There's there always wiggle room. different options, and, and the yeah. quarterback is taking away that option. Um, Coco Puff, would you trade a second, a third, and a fourth round pick for one pick in the top five? Well, I mean, first of all, I don't know that you can get a top five pick for a second, a third, and a fourth, to be honest. I don't think you can. But as far as your general premise, it really depends where I'm at. I mean, if I feel like I'm one player away, yeah. But if I feel like I'm, I've got stars on my team, and I'm, I'm like, if I'm like the Dallas Cowboys of the '90s, after you know when the cap hit, where they had great stars, but they didn't have great depth, maybe I wouldn't make that move. But if I'm the Niners and I've got a loaded roster, and I'm thinking, hey, one great player could put me over the top, yeah, I would make that move. So uh, that's kind of how I look at that one. And um, uh, okay, a couple other ones. Geno Smith went down in practice yesterday with a slight groin, and it may be Drew Locke. And they asked Kyle about it yesterday in the presser, and he's like, hey, look, they're very similar quarterbacks and it won't change our game plan at all. Um, what do you think, coaches? Would you? Who's the better quarterback? Does Seattle have a better chance to beat the Niners with Geno or with Locke tomorrow? Larry, this is low-hanging fruit. You okay. know. Well, I don't know. To me, they're very similar. I like Gino more than Locke. Locke oh, Larry. But but some people like Locke. And oh. Locke, and Locke had a really good uh, college. Whoever likes, let me say this. Hey. <laughs> Whoever likes Drew Locke, <laughs> you need to be locked away. Coach is channeling his inner Sirianni there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, if Drew Locke plays, if Drew Locke plays, God. Or is it no? Is it is it make no difference? Does it make a big difference? I mean, I don't see I don't see Gino as great. I don't see Locke as awful. I kind of see them as kind of middling. I think Locke may have a bigger arm. I think Gino's a mm-hmm. smarter quarterback. Um, I, I like I, I think Gino's better because of his mind than right. Locke. Um, okay. Locke might be a little bit better because of his arm. Right. I don't know. I mean, I he was good at Mizzou for a while. Well, I mean, a lot of people think that Drew Locke just hasn't had opportunities. What, what do you think? I mean, I if they go with Locke, Gino's, does that change the odds? No, I don't think Gino's done it long enough for us to really stamp this reclamation project. Uh, you don't see a lot of guys like Gino um, in the league, guys that came in hot, with a lot of fanfare, cachet, pedigree, they fall off, necessarily don't find their footing, and then they hop from team to team, and then all of a sudden come up on a deal. I I think that this is more uh, the exception than the rule. Gino, he had a nice story, but um, I just feel like Gino's emergence is kind of emblematic of the league regressing, uh, where a guy like Gino can show you a good couple of years. But – some of the things that he's doing 
um, in the game that he played us. You just can't have. And if it was and if it was Brock, I would be saying the same things about Brock. If I saw Brock being affected by the blitz, taking his eyes off the uh, taking his eyes off the defense, looking at the rush, completely folding anytime the pocket gets a little bit altered or he gets somebody breathing down his neck, like I would be questioning Brock's metal as a football player. I would be seeing if he's scared. Um, I would be asking, like, why aren't you? Why are you abandoning your tech? Why are you abandoning your technique um, in moments when you need it most? And that's what I've been seeing from Gino. That's what I see out of Jalen Hurts. That's why I said what I said about him before the Eagles game that I thought that Brock was better than him because one of the biggest things about quarterback is you're gonna get blitzed. You're going. They're literally trying to get you every play. So if you can't stop watching the rush. When you were trying to do your job, don't pushing the ball downfield. That's like a legit flaw. You know, that like that's something that you it's never gonna be coached out because it's always gonna happen. So with me seeing that in Geno, um, and <laughs> for them to say that Drew Locke is pretty much a carbon copy, I don't see any uh pressure bust pipes, man. I don't really see Geno or the lack of Geno being there being a big deal for us, uh, because um, the stuff that he has inside him, you can't coach that out. Like that, that skittish, I don't want to be touched. I can't be, I, as soon as I'm about to fall on the ground or as soon as I'm about to have to move in the pocket, I completely take my eyes off the field um, and looking at the man in front of me. Like I just, that's, it's, it's, it's not football. So um, I, I don't think that there's much of a, of a drop off, even if Drew Locke does play, but I don't think that much of Gino anyway. So. Rommel Ramos says Jason Aponte had Seahawks content creator Mookie on last night. Says Gino will play. Can't trust Locke. Okay, mm-hmm. so there you have it. All right, three last ones here. Grant okay. threw this out earlier today. Ayuk, um, he's speculating that Houston may come calling. You know, mm-hmm. they have Tank Dell. Uh, they have Nico. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're looking for that number one receiver. And Bobby Slowick was here. And he mm-hmm. knows Ayuk, and he knows how good Ayuk is. Yep. Grant was saying, would you trade Ayuk to Houston? And he was speculating for two ones. If Houston offered two ones, mm-hmm. uh, would you would you trade Ayuk? I think if it was one one, I would say no for sure. Two ones, that's different. That's different. That's that's a lot of draft capital, and you can move back in the first round off a first round pick and you get two ones i mean heck you could trade back and get a whole nother draft class if you wanted to trade back into rounds two and three and i you know maybe that's the route i would go i love iuk and he's touchdown production since the middle of the year has been awesome to watch but what would you think if if D'Amico and houston comes knocking in the offseason saying we want that for sure number one guy for c for cj and we'll give you our next two ones this year next year you you say what you take the two ones and get down the road, or you say get lost. We're keeping IU uh, can pay him the twenty six million, and you got to pay Purdy coming up here in, in a short amount of time as well. So, what what's your what would be your plan? Like that. Okay, uh, this right, is tough because this is like it is tough. out. This is this is the part of the NFL that Eddie D's era never they never had to deal with this. They never it was like, well, we, we want IU can we want them. you know, we want this guy and that guy. Yeah. Now they got now you gotta choose. Now you gotta choose. All right. Uh he doesn't have a ton of targets for a guy who's a true number one. That's they don't use him 
like other teams use their one because they've got Debo and Ayuk and or I mean Debo and That's Kittle and all these other I, guys. For they don't me, throw them the ball as much as they probably could or should. And then all okay. And for me, one of the things that that I like is is that Debo's 20. I mean, BA is 25. He's young. Right. Uh and he's Debo, gonna be good for a while. He's gonna be good for a while. Debo's coming up on 30. We're getting to the point where we gotta motivate him even to come into camp in shape. Um and Debo's the type of guy where if you get his cachet up enough, you can move him. We can find a sucker to take Debo. Um, B.A.? B.A. is a legit talent. You know what I mean? Like, he's plug and play. You don't got to game or, or scheme anything up with him. You can put a corner in front of him. You can put a linebacker, whatever you want to do. B.A.'s going to get open. He runs the full complement of the route tree. And on top of it, he's a he's a he's he plays with tons of heart. And he's a tough player. He blocks really well. He's a leader. That's another thing that's I feel like doesn't really talked about a lot. A lot of the young guys are up under uh, B.A. B.A. is a leader. Um, I think losing B.A. would almost kind of lose the personality of your team who follow him. You know, guys are we're pack. We're, guys are, are pack. We're pack animals, man. So there's always got to be an alpha. And when you got a football team. Everybody's looking for their mini alpha, the, the guy who has my type of character, who I can aspire myself off of, right? And who is B.A.? B.A. is the quiet guy, not really spoke, speaks a lot, doesn't like a lot of fanfare, but he's an extremely hard worker, always wants the ball, always is one of the first people out on the field. He's almost in certain ways like the Eric Armstead of the receiving room, right? If there was a real leader in our receiving room, I would take B.A. over Debo. And for me, you don't trade your first two round picks, two first round picks for a guy that number one, you drafted in the first round. So he's a homegrown talent. Number two, he's actually getting better. And he's shown that he's pushing on the elite side of his skill set. And, and he's not three, a diva. He's not a diva. He's he's, he's on, a man. blue he's collar guy. And he's a NorCal guy. And he's a receiver and not a diva. That's rare. Right. He's a receiver. He's not a diva. And he's a leader. That's rare. You don't get that a lot. So, yeah, picks are cool. But understand what you get when you get a pick. A pick. That's it. That doesn't mean that the guys that we're going to go pick with these picks are going to pan out and do a great job for us. I'd like to keep D. I'd like to keep B.A. because he's a homegrown talent. He actually knows Brock now. He can run under those balls. He know him and Brock have good chemistry together. There is one thing that I was worried about is B.A. actually getting the ball downfield. That has been thrown to the wind. That's not an issue at all. And Brock, if we look at it this way. What are we really? What are we saying about Brock by getting rid of BA? Well, right? I mean, they've got tremendous chemistry. I mean, that's the thing. Exactly. I mean, what are we saying it, about it, Brock? I don't. I'll tell you why I wouldn't do it, Coach. I wouldn't do it just because. Um, if if Houston's giving you this year's one, I was looking at the mock right now. If the season ended today, mm-hmm. now they do have Cleveland's. They have Cleveland's one, and Arizona has their one. So their one would have been 22 overall. Their Cleveland's one's going to be at right now 24 overall. Mm-hmm. The only way this is even interesting to me or even a possibility to me is if I can get J.C. Latham from Alabama, who's 6'6", 335 pounds. He could be your starting tackle um, for the next 15 years. 
the mm-hmm. Latham they have going 12 in the mock I'm looking at. And uh, the other guy I really like is Taliesi Fuaga from Oregon State. They have him going 18. So the, the, those two impact tackles, even if you oh, trade you know a PA, are not there. Yeah, who do you got? Who do you like? Amarius Mims. Well, Mims, they're saying, is going 22, but still your pick would be 24, so you wouldn't get him. Yeah, I love Amarius Mims. Yeah, from Georgia. Yeah. I did a deep dive on all the tackles about a month ago, and mm-hmm. yeah, Mims. I mean, there's a bunch of them. Graham Barton from Duke. They got uh, some I, this, my, is my, tackle, this is a rare this, draft, Larry. Yeah. How many Paul good from are Houston? there? There's a guy named Paul yeah. from Houston who's monster. But mm-hmm. um, uh, the kid from Yale is really interesting. You got to look at the, the tackle from Yale. You know who my my guy is that I really like is the Missouri tight end who there's or Missouri offensive tackle who they're saying is going to go in like the third round. Um, mm. Let me see exactly. Javon. So Javon Taylor. Let me see what uh, I don't see his name here. He's further down the list, but I really like the Missouri offensive tackle. And they're saying he's probably going to be there in the third round, but I, I there's no way I'm moving BA unless I can get a, a, a player, you know, like, like Latham or a player like Fuaga, somebody that, and even then, I'd have a hard time because I really think you win with the guys that touch the football, and right. it would be very difficult to move a move a move this guy for a pick, especially for an offensive lineman. But uh, there's no way I'm doing it in, unless Javon I'm getting, Foster from Mizzou. Yeah, Javon Foster mm-hmm. uh, has a wrestling background. He's an academic All-American. Oh, he's smart. He's athletic. He's got long arms. He's He's really exciting for Mizzou. Mizzou's got some really big guys dirty, man. They don't have no film on us until it's draft time. You can't find no film on a big boy. I just watch a lot of Mizzou football, and and I love him, and I love that corner from Mizzou. Isn't it uh, Brackenridge or whatever? Mm -hmm. He's got a Raken Crock or something. I forget the hell's the Rake a Straw, I think his name is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That guy's really good. The The corner corner from Mizzou? Yeah, Rake a Straw, I think his name is. Um, And he's, he's really good. All right, um, two couple last ones here. Should the 49ers feature – there's not going to be Mitchell this week. Right. Sounds like, just from listening to Kyle yesterday, the injury report is got Dwelly, Armstead, and Ray Ray out, and Burford, Luter, and Elijah Mitchell doubtful. I would love to see this game against Seattle, especially if the Niners get any kind of early lead. I would like this game to be the bust out game for JP Mason. I'd rather get, I'd like to give McCaffrey a little bit of a blow. There's a lot of games left still. You want him to be standing. You got Mason. He's a young bull. He's ready to roll. We all know that he's been ready for weeks. Uh, I'd like to see him featured a little bit. I know he'll get the ball because there's no Mitchell. So I know he's going to get the ball a little bit more. But I'd like to see him get the ball a lot more. And I'd love to see, especially if they, especially if they had a, a, you know, any kind of a separation that you get right. any kind of first quarter separation on Seattle, make, make tomorrow be a big JP Mason day. I mean, how incredible would, would, would tomorrow's victory be if the Niners get a one-sided victory and JP Mason runs for like a buck 15 and three touchdowns. It'd be Think amazing. About, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying if you get a lead early, like you had last game, Maybe maybe take McCaffrey off the field and and run this kid Mason for a game. I mean, there's nothing there's no, when you get five cars in the garage, there's nothing wrong with rolling out, you know, uh, one you haven't used in a while 
And I think this kid could do it. And I realize they don't want him to fumble and they're worried about his blocking and all these different things. But if you can get a lead, man, I think I would roll with JP Mason tomorrow. What do you, what do you think? I mean, um, if you can get some separation on the scoreboard in the first half, give me a lot of Mason. He's got 23 carries for 127 yards, two rushing touchdowns and 5.5 yards attempt. The thing that's really nasty about uh, JP is that the yards after contact per attempt is 3.39 yards. Like that's league leading, man. Um, at this stage of the game, I think they see what we see, but they're just not going to use it until they really have to. Um, there's no way that at this stage of the season, they're just not putting him on the field. I don't believe that. I believe that they understand how their run game is built. They understand what are the heaviest parts and who can take on the biggest load. And I just feel like Brock getting, not even just Brock getting hurt, because by the time we got to Brock, we were already to our third quarterback. Yeah. I, I think that the past seasons, especially the 2020 season and last year, Kyle and the boys are starting the, the coaching staff, they're starting to get smart in the sense of we just need to be good enough to get through the season, but we actually need to be whole by the time we get to the playoffs. Right. And by the time we get to the playoffs, what's the sense of having JP Mason and kicking the tires on him in the regular season when we definitely are going to need him in the playoffs, right? Where we're going to need to show a wrinkle that nobody's seen before, where we're going to have to show an element of the game or a phase of the game that we can utilize that people have not seen us do. Uh, and that's, that's me being positive about it. The negative side about it is why the hell is he on the field? There's tons of times where he should be closing the game. There's tons of times that we've seen throughout the season where we've all asked via Twitter, this would be a great time to see JP, JP Mason playing right now. Um, so on that side of it, you're if you look at it from that perspective, you're always going to find reasons why JP Mason should be on the field and be upset that he's not. But I've chosen to take a different perspective with this. They know more than me. They've seen this kid and they know what he's capable of and what he's not capable of. And I feel as though that another thing that this team doesn't do is they don't suffer fools. If you can't do your job, it ain't like you're just going to be sitting here chilling on the sideline. They'll get rid of you. They'll wave your ass. And yep. the fact that they're keeping him, I feel like they are pacing him out for later in the season. I really feel that way. The production is not even there. He's got 23 carries on the entire season. They're clearly burying him until when they need him. And that's how I feel about it. Now, if is Seattle going to be one of those games? Is Baltimore going to be one of those games? Are we going to see that over here when we see the commanders, right? I don't know. But it's clear that they, they're they using him as a donut, as a spare tire. They need him. And they're not just going to arbitrarily push him out. Because we've been asking all year. It's week 13. And no, they I still know. haven't put him out, Larry. So, no, I know. Um, he looks to be a contingency plan more more than anything right now. I just think that you're going to need all these guys to get to the finish line, and I'd rather use Mason in this game, find out what I got, and maybe win this game and have fr a fresher McCaffrey because they're going to need all hands on deck for that Baltimore game. Yeah. That Baltimore yeah. game ain't going to be easy. All right, two last ones here. Um, this is a one fun one, one uh, non-football one. All right, the, the fun one is – if the 49ers are not on on a Sunday okay, and, you know, we all have red zone and, you know, yeah, you know yeah. 
we got all these choices. You can pretty much watch whatever you want. Uh, you can go to a sports bar if you don't have the NFL package. Right. But if I just said to you, the Niners are not on. They're getting the, for whatever reason, they got a buy or they played Thursday and it's an NFL Sunday. And you can watch any game between any two teams in the league. You get to like pick your pick oh, your team. Pick the, pick the game. Yeah, you can pick you can pick your teams and pick your venue and you can pick your weather. It's almost like Madden. You know, okay, when you go play okay, Madden. Okay, I like my this. kids when we're sitting there and my kids like, Dad, you want to play Madden? And I'm like, Okay, I'll play Madden. I don't do it a lot, but I'll play like, you know, once every month or so. And mm-hmm. uh and then I'll say yeah, let's go Bears and Packers in the snow at Lambeau. Yeah, yeah, or, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. or uh, give me go Bears and Packers at, at Soldier. And cause I love how cool the stadiums look on the Madden. But mm-hmm. if you could pick any game to watch in the NFL on a Sunday that's not the Niners right now, who do you who do you want to who do you want to watch? Oh. What game would you want to watch? What would be your matchup? Number one, prime time. We playing at night. I love playing at night. Okay, okay? so. Uh, that's and it doesn't one. have to make sense. It could be, yeah, we could be crazy. Yeah, I mean, it could be the Texans because of C.J. Stroud. It could be, you know, it could be anything. Oh no, no, no! I'm, I'm gonna make it crazy. I want this to be at night. Okay. Okay. I've dreamt of this scenario. I want this to be at night. I want the what's the year that the Patriots uh won? Well, you're the, calling uh, a where, year now. You're, you're gonna, you're gonna. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, I'm going old school. I'm going old school. So, what year did the Patriots go 17 and one? Was that 2018? No, no, no. Way, not. Way, I'm sorry, not 2018. Way earlier 2000. than that. Yeah, yeah. Patriots. Um, way earlier 17, than that. With uh, Randy Moss. Here, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. 2007. So I was gonna say, yeah, I was gonna say it's like a decade or. I want the 07 Pets with Randy and Tom Brady. I feel like that's the best they were. Okay. Right, right. And I want I want the 07 pets at night. And I want damn. I want the 2000 I want the 2020 Chiefs with Tariq Hill and Patrick Mahomes. Okay. And that team, I want it in Foxborough at night, and I want to see that game. Okay, that's good. That's good. I'm going. I'm going. It's so funny. Butthead here says eighty five Bears, Bears defense That'd be fire. That'd be great. That'd be great. I'm going two thousand Ravens. Okay. At Soldier in the snow. Against the 85 Bears. Trent Dilfer and that killer Ravens defense with young Ray Lewis, Peter Bolwer, uh, Goose, Siragusa, yes. uh, Dwayne Starks, all the badasses they had against oh, oh, the 85 oh, oh. Bears with the best 2012 Niners. No, you can't go Niners. I'm uh, I'm saying Niners oh. out, but you can actually okay. since you're calling any year, you could go anything. You could 2012 Niners versus 2000 Ravens. I want to see that game. That would be sweet. I tell you that, the one that I would. I tell you another one that I would love to see. I would love to see the Harbaugh Super Bowl Niners. Against the Shanahan Super Bowl Niners. 
<laughs> you know, Cap and the boys, and that, and and how v- wicked they were. And, and, then, and then the 2019 team that went to the bowl. You know, yeah, and I said 2020 Chiefs. I mean 2019 Chiefs. That that Chiefs team. Yeah, that Chiefs team. They were great. That'd be they a hell great. of a game. You know what else would be a hell of a game? What do you? I got? would love to see. 01 Miami. Remember how talented that squad was? 01 Miami. Yeah. Not 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 01 Miami Dolphins. 01 Miami Hurricanes. Okay, okay. I want to see 01 Miami versus 2000 2017 Alabama. 2018 Alabama. Okay. The other one I was thinking of was this. Joe Montana and the 89 Niners. Against Terry Bradshaw and the '79 Steelers, dog. That would be that's a game. Like I want to. That see- was the team that beat the Rams. That was their fourth Super Bowl team. Um, that that awesome. Uh, you know, St- Steelers had Lambert and Ham and you know Mean Joe Green and you know uh, Blunt and. Donnie Shell and Bradshaw and Stallworth and Swan and Franco and all those guys against the Niners a decade later with Joe and Jerry and all that. That would just be awesome. Just you know who else I want to see? 99 Rams. Greatest show on turf. Yeah. Incredible fast team with all kinds of great play calls by Martz. And and Marshall Falk, Ata King, Isaac Ooh, Bruce. Yeah. Woo! They were some boys that was Ricky Prohl on that team? No, I don't think so. On which team? No, on, no Ricky no, no, Prohl, no. the Wake Forest kid who played at Arizona and played yeah, the for, receiver. Yeah. Ricky Prohl played for Carolina. Who else yeah, did no, he play for though? He played for Arizona, I thought, didn't he? Uh, let me look up Ricky Prohl. I loved him for the Demon Deacons. 99, 99 Rams. Versus 2019 Chiefs. I'd pay to see that. Ricky Prohl. Uh, Ricky Prohl played a lot of for a lot of people. <laughs> played for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Uh, 90-94. Played for the Seahawks. Played for the Bears, the Rams, the Panthers, and the Colts. I thought he played for the Rams. Did, what, did, did he play for the Rams in that 99 era around there? Yeah, he did. He played for the 99 yeah. Rams. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, ninety nine Rams. He was he was a Ram from ninety eight through two thousand and two. Dude, that's really the good first player. time I seen two athletes running down the field yelling at each other before they scored. Remember that? Remember oh. that play with Oz Hakeem and Isaac Bruce where he caught that he caught that go route and Oz Hakeem and Isaac Bruce were like yelling at each other before they even crossed the goal line. Like those were the days, man. That was offensive football on another level. We had never seen anything like that. It was incredible. I mean, yeah. I'll, sometimes, like sometimes, when my kid and I get into picking these teams, and we get deep into these conversations, and you can go retro. We'll we'll take you know the game takes let's say thirty minutes. It might take us thirty minutes to pick the teams. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. Last one. Pete Carroll has a disgusting habit of throwing his gum into the crowd. Why? Well, I, this is my question to you. You're in. <laughs> You're at the game Sunday at Levi's. You're in the first row. Okay. You're standing there, and Steve, and, and Pete Carroll's wadded-up gum hits you in the head. What do you do? 
I don't know. Because it's going to hit somebody in the freaking head. <laughs> See, so disgusting. It is so disgusting. And he, and like, and he, did you know there's saliva flying off that thing and everything, bro? I mean, heck, well, I mean if you're a Seahawk fan, you're like, oh, I'm never going to wash this forehead again. <laughs> I, I got hit with Pete's gum. Yes. I'm going to. I can die now. <laughs> Seriously. I, 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 I'm ready. Lord, take me. I mean, come on, dude. You're throwing your gum into the crowd? I mean, Dicka I mean, did it. Mike Dicka I mean, did it at Candlestick back in the day. To be funny, I mean, hopefully he's chewed the ever-living elasticity out of that shit, and it's a pebble, and it just bounces off. But outside of that, it, are you serious? It's a habit, or this is kind of like a one-off? They caught they, no, they no, they've they've caught him doing it, and he's like, "Yeah, I don't know, I don't." <laughs> he's like, he's you know admitted what's funny? it. It's like imagine, imagine like the antique road show, like twenty years from now, and somebody shows up with a suitcase, and it's like, "I have something that's a little eclectic." Okay, <laughs> taking a lot <laughs> of time to bring this out. This is Nobody make anything, and he just opens up this suitcase. And he's got like fucking 200 pieces of old gnarled up gum with like little thumbtacks in them with numbers. That's 2019. That's, oh, that's week seven versus the Niners. That was in 2021. And he's got a whole suitcase full of wadded up gum. It's like, so, hey, I need you to appraise this. How much is it? Shoot me straight. <laughs> yeah. What, what will you give me for this? It's How much amazing. can I get? This is Pete Carroll's saliva. Petrified, okay. Basically, you can make a whole other baby with this whole thing. You take it to a lab. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could freeze it like Ted Williams. Um, okay, and and then we'll we'll finish with this. Um, couple couple supers in here. One from our couple non supers, I should say. Just chats. One eight seven says get Brendan Rice and Bobby L. Bobby Locks is next year draft. Uh, Brandon Rice and Frank Gore Jr. Um, I asked Christian McCaffrey about his brother. His brother, Luke, plays uh, ball for Rice. I don't know if you've seen. Have you seen Luke McCaffrey? Oh, yeah, um, he plays for Rice. Receiver. Yeah. try hard, kid. I don't know if he's necessarily talented or not, but I, I haven't watched him enough to know. But we, he's um, one of the leading receivers in the conference, and he makes all kinds of plays. He runs fast. He's got good size. He's a Rice Owl wide receiver. He is a junior. He's a junior, but he's he he's got he's got the height. He's got daddy's height. He's uh the dad was like he six five. Yeah, this kid's six that. two. He's six two, one ninety-five. But just looking at his game log this year against FAU, he had twelve catches for 141 yards and a touchdown. He's got mm. twelve touchdowns on the year. He lit up South Florida for nine for one ninety-nine. He had Ooh. seven for a hundred against Connecticut. But 12 touchdowns for Luke McCaffrey. And I asked Christian about him this week. He's, I said, you, you caught, I know you're busy, Christian, but you caught any of Luke. And what do you think of him? Give me the scouting report. And he's like, he's just a football player. And he's like, it's my dream to play with him on, on the same team. I don't think he's going to be in the draft this year. He's a junior. He'll probably be in the draft next year. But, um, but, but as far as the, the chat here, Jerry Rice's kid. Now, you normally you think, well, come on, it's the kid and how good's the kid and compared to the dad. Well, he's not Jerry. I'm not saying he's Jerry, but Jerry Rice's kid 
is in this draft. He just declared this week. I want that guy on the Niners. I don't know how much you've watched the Jerry's kid. He's six three, two ten. He plays for SC. Began yeah. his college career at Colorado, um, and then transferred to SC to play for Lincoln Riley. Um, and you know, his last year he set career highs in receptions, yards, touchdowns. I just love the seriousness, the focus, the intensity, all of those factors that Jerry had, this kid has. Mm-hmm. I really like Jerry's kid, and I think he's probably going to be a third-round pick, maybe a fourth-round pick. Uh, but if I'm the Niners, I want Jerry's kid in the draft. I absolutely do, and I'd figure out a way to go get him. I, I, I One really thing that like I have noticed kid. about Brendan is that he's really – he's. I mean, if we're talking about him as a prospect, Yak is his game. Um, he's really he's not necessarily a burner, but he really comes alive once the ball gets in gets in his hands. Um, he's a strong runner, uh, but I would like to see more of him. One of my best friends is an SC fan, so we always get a chance to uh, take a look at Brendan when he's uh, catching passes uh, from Caleb. But I wouldn't mind bringing on uh, I wouldn't mind bringing on Brendan uh, yeah. Luke. Luke also seems like a nice prospect. I mean, he started out early as a quarterback at uh, Nebraska. Right, um, right. So, he's yeah. probably a day three guy. Uh, yeah. Unless he, unless he runs in the four threes or something like that. I don't know. Well, he's he got the, that? that's another thing, too. He's also got the cachet. Somebody's going to give him a shot because of his last name. So, sure, sure. He's just got to be ready. Uh, but, but this is what football is great about is look, man, there's only but a couple of guys who are like stars. Everybody else is, is just a filling guy. Even some starters, right? There are some starters on football teams that know, like, it's really not about me. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not, I'm just here to do my job. That's 90% of football. So these type of guys, like these fringe guys, these glue guys that are going to come in and keep their head down and do their job at a high level. Like, remember, you know, the Slater brothers over there with uh, the Slater brothers over there in New England, right? Yeah. It's always, that's just what the NFL Great is all about. Great special teamers. If you guys can turn this into a nine to five, you're going to last in the league. That's what it all, that's what it's really about. These guys get paid a lot of money more than the average everyday man. But if you come into the NFL with a blue collar work mentality and you come in there with your head down, like you're trying to get a job done every day and humble enough to understand that you're privileged to make the money that you can make on top of the fact that you have the cachet and the pedigree with the name around you that your fathers have done. Like, I don't think people realize like, nepotism is real but sometimes nepotism is needed it is what it is jerry rice when he was a young man dedicated his life and his effort to the nfl right he's put his stake into the nfl the same thing with uh ed mccaffrey he put his stake into the nfl and you know what he kept his head down he kept his he kept his nose clean he kept his network tight and his tribe even closer and now when it's time for his kids to get a nod and get into the algorithm and get into the infrastructure that helped out his family, they're going to be waiting for him with open arms. That's the way the league works. I expect him to be in the league. Uh, one last super. Look at this. Purdy is an 85 overall on Madden now. And that's kill, <laughs> kill a MIG 831. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Killer. From now on, he's just killer. Let's call him Killer. 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 Killer.
mean, I'm just going to, I'm calling him 831 from now on. trying to get his camera. <laughs> First time Larry read that name out, he, I, I can hear you saying five times in your head before you said it out loud. And you're like, kill him. <laughs> you saw me the other day looking at it like this. Like, what the hell? <laughs> What's his name again? All right. That's going to do it for us. Hey, by the way, uh, the Krug Show, we are at 29,945. 29,945. 55 away from 30,000, man. Thanks to everybody. Oh, by the way, kill a MIG 831 back in there. Thanks for uh, not chopping it up. I think he means thanks for chopping it up, but we yeah. appreciate you, brother. Uh, coach, what do you got cooking the rest of Saturday? You know, are you, were you a guy who will camp out? I mean, I, I force myself to watch Army Navy, but I, you know, it's, I, I like watching athletes. And it's not that these guys aren't athletes, they're athletes. And I went yeah, to yeah. Army Navy once and I was amazed. It was at the link in Philly. I was amazed when they did the walk on, you know, they, the, uh, the, the middies and the, the Navy people and the army people. And they all, I was amazed at how young the people are who are defending our country. They're babies. They're babies. They're literally babies. They're not yeah. even, that makes my son and daughter look old. I yeah. mean, these, these people are literally children that are, that are defending our nation. Um, not that we're in the midst of, uh, war on our shore thank god but i'm just saying that um you know first of all uh as my my late father the great george kruger was a jag corps attorney uh he was he was a military man he met my mom uh when he was stationed at fifth army headquarters in chicago it was a blind date um my he one of his one of his jag corps attorneys said hey i've got my neighbor i think you'd like to go out with my neighbor and my dad said, my, you know, the guy, there was another guy who was going to go on this date. And the other guy's like, yeah, I'll go out with her. So it came like the day before the date. And he's like, okay, uh, here's her, here's her address. And, you know, she, you can pick her up here at her house. And she lives with her parents. And he's like, oh yeah, but you know, this guy was like five, eight. He's like, well, is she tall? And my mom was like five, six or five, seven. And, um, the 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 uh, jag corps attorney who, who was next door neighbors said yeah, actually she is kind of on the taller side and he's like oh i don't want to go out with her i don't want to go out with her i'm only five eight she's what how tall is she? she's like yeah, he's like five seven. Oh no no when she wears heels she'll be taller than me well my dad was six three so yeah. my dad said i'll go out with her yeah and that's so my dad showed up uh on the south side of chicago for a blind date with my mother and um knocked on the door and her sister came to the door and said, yeah, I'm, I'm Carol. And then mm -hmm. he said, well, nice to meet you. Ready to go. And he's mm -hmm. like, then he's, she said, no, no, actually I'm not Carol. I'm Marilyn. I'm her sister, uh, <laughs> but I'll get Carol. She's in the back. I'm just here to make sure that you weren't weird. And yeah, <laughs> you know, played interference. I, yeah, exactly. I played interference. And my mom came out, they started dating. This is a, you know, early sixties. They got married, I think in 63, um, and my brother was born in 65. My sister was born in 68. I was born in 70. My sister was born in 72. And both my parents are, are up in the sky above, uh, now, but I miss oh, them greatly. Man. And I, on a day like today, I honor my father by watching 
Army, Navy, and rooting for Army. So there you go. There's that's what I'm doing the rest of the day. Will you watch? Will you take in any Army, Navy, or what do you got planned on your Saturday? I'm gonna watch some Army, Navy. As you guys, as you guys know, I I, I did. <clears throat> I did some years at military school, and uh, it was a tradition that I didn't even know it was going to become high school or like Citadel yeah. or VMI. Yeah, so I went. Uh, I did high school um, and college. I did junior college over there too. So uh, how was I that? Went, Can I ask what Valley Forge Military? Yeah, I mean, how was Man, that? Let me tell you, I'm looking some in the hardcore dudes in there. Military school was the best experience of my life. Really, it was okay. so much fun. Like. 10,000 boys, okay, where cadre ran, all right, so there's not like a ton of adults around, all right, and you, it's just, it's an upbringing that would probably not even exist today because of social media, right, you get a real discipline matrix put around you, there is no such thing as giving up, either you give up or you get the hell out, there's no failing, right, you know, if you didn't do what you were supposed to do, you got kicked out. Um, football, some of the best athletes I played with, Jeff Ota, um, tackle for the Panthers. Me and him played together. Uh, big Tilly. boy. He's a big boy, wasn't he? Yeah. Wasn't Ota, yeah. like 6'7 or something? Yeah, 6'7, big boy. Me and him, he was my right tackle uh, when I played on that offensive line um, over there. Um, uh, I sung in the regimental chorus, man, so I got to sing at Carnegie Hall. Uh, it just... All of the FTXs, the night FTXs, being able to fly fly around in helicopters and play Army in the Woods and PT and drill and parade. And really what it does is it just gives you a structure for life and it makes you a cut above the rest in just your thought process on how you do everything. So um, I love the military school. And I say, I say all the time to my friends, like, when I get a little one, I'm shipping their ass right off. You're going. Wow. Yeah, you're going. It's 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 a great. It, it's I can't speak about it all uh, enough, man. We be here all day, man. It, it it's it's made me who I am today, man. In that, another in another stream, I'll pick your brain on that because I'd love to I'd love to hear more stories about that. And and by the way, thanks to uh, four ninety East is damn near two hour show and enjoyed every bit. Y'all the illest subscribe, y'all hashtag four ninety gold mine hashtag r o c h n y. Uh, but go ahead, Coach. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. Like out outside of my father, right? Outside of my father, military school and football are pretty much the best things that have ever happened, man. Uh, you know, you just get you no know, ten thousand boys, man. Just imagine, you yeah. know, like imagine like the fights, you know, the camaraderie, you know, what you learn about your about being a fellow good member of society where nobody's going to cut you no breaks, you know, um, walking out of military school. I didn't know what bad teachers were. I didn't know what horrible situations were until I left military school. I had to find bad schooling to go. I had to go to college to actually find shitty teachers. Yeah. That's how good military school was. That's cool. I'm glad. I'm glad that was a good experience. Uh, mm -hmm. Monty Watts says Krug and the coach real boys. Well, we appreciate it. Digital Drew, who's joined us before, says, you can't quit yet. I'm not done mowing the lawn. I'm surprised you're mowing the lawn in Chicago right now. My God. He must be freezing in Chicago right now. He's cutting the grass in Chi-Town? Come on. He's cutting the grass in Chicago right now. What's the temperature in Chicago right now? Got to be. I got to check that out on the weather app. It's got to be What's the temperature in Chicago? 
The temperature in Chicago right now is 49 degrees. Due to current wind conditions, it feels like it's 42. <laughs> oh my God. It, it feels like it's Low of 35 today. Tomorrow, He's low of, leaves and it's 55. <laughs> tomorrow it's low of, or Sunday it's low of 28. Oh, my God. No, thanks. Digital Hello, Drew, good to, good to see you, man. Good to see you. He says, uh, he says mulching leaves, and it's 55. Um, <laughs> good stuff. Hey, Coach, uh, very enjoyable stream, man, and uh, um, always great. We'll talk to you next Saturday. Go Niners. Uh, I'll give you the final word. Hey man, when you're dealing with somebody, you gotta move, you gotta move with a standard. And in order to have a standard, you gotta have a shared mission, shared values, and shared lifestyle. You gotta have the same mission as the people that are in front of you. And in order to get that mission done, they gotta have the same day-to-day -day values within the same time, within the same uh values that you have. And in order to have the same values to go get that same mission, then you need to have the same lifestyle. So understand that. Stick with your kind and stay with your people, man. I'll talk to you guys. Peace. Yeah, never met a man I've been scared of. Careful, you won't get exactly what you asked for. Careful, 